0: movie podcast for A Good Day to Die Hard. I am Tom Chick, and I am here this week
1: with Christian Melansky. Sex, sexy, like a sexy show. And with a good day to die
2: hard tagline, Taliwan. Uh To quote the exploding head from atheists, die harder.
0: Although that arguably crosses the streams, I enjoyed that, Kelly Wand. yippee lame was my backup. Oh, interesting. You kind of, that implies to me you didn't like it. Not
2: necessarily. Okay, good point, good point. I don't know what uh, words mean. I think that's been demonstrated time and again. Kelly Wand, how do you feel about this as a tagline? Ready? Drive it like you
0: stole it. Oh, not a tagline. Damn, I screwed it up. How do you feel about that as
2: a catchphrase? Ew. It's an awesome tagline, though. It's the Look, worst it, catchphrase it, I've ever
1: heard. As a friend of yours, Tom, I'm going to have to tell you to get a new catchphrase.
0: <laughs> That's—I feel like that—that's obviously the best part of the, the upcoming GI Joe movie. Uh, Wait, what? <laughs> that—that's Channing Tatum's tag or catchphrase in the GI Joe movie is uh, "Drive it like you stole it," which almost, almost makes me want to see the new GI Joe movie. What's he talking about? Uh, apparently, it's what he says to the other Joes when they're about to drive their Joe Mobiles or whatever you call them. Uh, that, that's what Channing Tatum says. Drive it like you stole can, it. You can just call them Joe Bills, can't you? I guess so. That works as well. It takes fewer syllables.
2: Yeah. In the Jack Reacher movie, that black dude who gives him the cap goes, Wear it like you stole it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
1: Here's, uh, Here's my question. question. Is that the first or the last time we're going to hear the Jack Reacher mentioned today? It's up to the cat.
0: I, okay, yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, that's the, with the producer of the show, Shadow Cat. Uh, that's that's in his hands. We'll find out. Hmm. Um, so, Dingus, what is this week's show about again? I forgot.
1: Oh, it's a show, is it?
0: <laughs> I <laughs> I am, I, <laughs>
1: a lot of things that aren't true. <laughs> All right, well, this week we saw A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, a 2013 American comedy movie about a meddlesome dad who goes to Moscow. <laughs> it was directed by John Moore and written by Skip Woods, oh. based on certain original characters by Roderick Thorpe from his novel Nothing Lasts Forever. What? What? What do you mean? I've never even heard of
0: Nothing Lasts Forever
2: before. That's true? That's yeah, that's what the
1: original know- Die
2: the it's supposed to that movie The Detective that none of us saw with Frank Sinatra that Mia Farrow, when they did, got divorced, made Rosemary's Baby to fight against. Like, that's supposed to be the diehard character, is that Frank Sinatra.
0: In- and I didn't know any of this. All right, well, okay, so there's apparently a much richer pool of source material than no, I realized. No. Uh, all I mean, right, sorry, it's I, I cut you off. Go ahead. So, uh, based on certain original
1: characters, uh, uh, by... by uh, Rick- yeah, mm-hmm. From his novel Nothing Lasts Forever, upon which the original Die Hard was based. Uh the movie stars Cole Hauser as Collins. Well, a good <laughs> A good day to die hard is rated R for violence and mm. language. Mm. <laughs> Less is more. John Moore.
2: <laughs> chicks, Toots chicks. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, so let's see. Talking. Uh, oh, think' uh, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No, no, I'm done. Violent right. language and Kohlhauser. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he will wait that long, though, to fuck with us.
0: So, Die Hard had a 25 million dollar opening, uh, which I, I think probably Fox is pretty happy with, considering <laughs> yeah. how Stallone's and Schwarzenegger's recent movies just completely tanked. Uh, but I guess this is part of a franchise, so that that's. Uh, but it opened at number one. Uh, it beat out, although it was a, a relatively close three way race. It was number one against Identity Thief and something I'd never even heard of called Safe Haven. Do you guys know what that is? Something girl related. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It must be like a heard it. Yeah.
1: That's Wasn't that directed by Lassa Hallstrom?
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, doesn't he just do rom coms or like chick flicks nowadays?
2: Yeah. I like that one with like Richard Dreyfus he made. Always? Yeah, that one's really... That always gets me. <laughs> well, i learned how uh, so, a plane from that movie, too.
0: So, uh, number one, uh, a Good Day to Die Hard, number one uh, movie in America this weekend. Critically, on Metacritic, which uh, is the, averages the ratings from reviews that use ratings, uh, Die Hard came in at 28 on Metacritic, out of 100, by the way. On Rotten Tomatoes, which gives you the percentage of reviews that are positive, a good day to die hard is at sixteen <laughs> percent. Wow! All right, it's been a while since we've seen a sixteen percenter. I think I
2: can't remember without uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's turn
0: it over to you, Kelly Wand. Uh, so why don't you now? So if you were, if you have not seen a good day to die hard, and you plan on seeing it, and you don't want spoilers. Um, you know what? Whatever. Uh, stick around anyway. <laughs> that's, that's my advice to you. So, Kelly Wand, what, can you, what can you do for us to uh, maybe recreate the experience of sitting through Die Hard, uh, a good day to Die Hard?
2: Uh, you mean what would I call it? Is that what all? will yeah, yeah. How about a
0: a good dayopsis? Is that what it would be called if you were to summarize uh, the events of a good day to Die
2: Hard? Die Hard V, a good day to dialysis. <laughs> I could use one of those right about now, Kelly. Wand rock and roll. Oh, by the way, I saw Margin Call, Paranormal Four, and Killer Joe this week. Just want you to know that. Well, interesting.
0: Should we delve into those before the synopsis, or I want to know what you thought of those?
2: Well, once we start talking about Die Hard, I'm sure we'll never stop. <laughs> so, well, let's have a brief commercial break. Uh, first Coming of all, off. why did you see
0: Paranormal Activity Four?
2: Uh, complete closure. And it,
0: it's so. Did you see it? Yeah. First of all, you're not going to get any closure. This is an ongoing thing. Paramount's going to. it
2: extender.
0: <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to milk this every October, Kelly. Wand, and you're just you're enabling them. I'm helping being- catfish. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I love Lena Dunham from Girls. Um, She's not but- that. No, I know, but I'm actually going to bring this around. Stand by. Uh, So Lena Dunham was on, uh, I think, Fresh Air, talking to Terry Gross, and she's just so – I just love how honest and unimposing she is. And, I mean, unlike people who direct, write, and produce successful – TV series. She just seems like an actual honest to goodness person. I love that about her. And just Uh as an actress, she's fantastic. So she was on uh, Fresh Air or whatever. And she was talking about how an apartment that she got in New York, uh, she was looking at it with a friend of hers uh and i think the story had something to do with how it was maybe haunted she was worried that it was haunted and I, you know it's kind of cute <laughs> to hear her say that but she, she was talking about how her a friend of hers she was looking at it with a friend of hers and how he should know if an apartment is haunted because he's the guy that directed catfish and paranormal activity three oh. <laughs> exactly that's immediately what i thought i was like oh you're friends with them oh
2: did they fuck her
0: <laughs> Whoa, Kelly Wand! First Aww. of all, that's none of your business. Uh, Second that's... of all, uh who knows? I, you know, I, who knows? I'd
1: say to watch those. that also, guy. There was a nice way to say that.
2: Yeah, Kelly Wand. The Wait, Catholic... what, was the... what, what did he say? Did he say it was haunted or not?
0: I forgot about that because I was too busy going. ew she's yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Stopped reading. <laughs> and then they killed was... them both.
0: So Kelly, one, do you saw Paranormal Activity four? I don't know that there's much to be said about that. Uh,
2: I didn't get. I I found it convoluted, which I didn't think I'd ever say about a Paranormal Activity movie. I well, I think any, they they
0: try to they do a lot of like lost style stuff in there where they, you think they're answering a question and instead they're just posing three more.
2: It's and, I, and not answering anything ever. Yeah, yeah. Grandma's a witch, but never mind. Now there's a million of them, and right. which kids, witch, like what? One of the kids just disappears, I thought, in the movie.
0: It makes no sense. I, I don't think – and you can even – Kelly Want I should send you this. Uh, if you read interviews with this guy where they're asked directly, well, wait a minute. Does this mean that? They say things like, well, we didn't really want to commit to a particular choice. Uh, <laughs> they totally have no idea what Lindelof they're doing. Lindelof is different. possessing them. Like <laughs> Exactly. It is the Lindelof school of script writing.
1: Yeah. And it does feel like uh, – I think I read part of that interview. It feels like the that when he's asked those questions, it's the first time it ever occurred to him.
2: Yeah. yeah. Nobody on the set said anything. <laughs> they tons of money, and they go, yep, see, people don't want to know. Right. We only thought that because we thought you knew, and you are going to tell us at some point, not, yeah, tell us less. The less you tell us, the more we'll see. Right. They, just, they didn't read the numbers right. All
0: right, so anyway, Kelly, you saw Paranormal Activity 4. What, what, I want to say Killer Joe for last. What was the other one you said?
2: Margin Call, which is oh, really yeah, yeah. not much to say about it. finally just caught up with it. Cause Ding, I was getting annoyed because Dingus was doing quotes from it. And then, uh, I wouldn't
0: get well, that. we've we've both gushed pretty enthusiastically about Margin Call. Are you on board with us there, or were you just kind of like, whatever? No, it's all good. Everybody's okay. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's good, Kelly Wand, because I think there is one conspicuous <laughs> person who doesn't quite rise to the occasion of the rest of the cast.
2: Uh, I don't know who you mean. I'm not sure what Demi Moore was doing there. She's not in it that much. Thank That's for defense of her performance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I saw a disclosure character like a sequel, like yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> Years later. Yeah, I like that. Okay, <laughs> where well, you set it up, like it's like she was getting screwed because she loses in disclosure too. So it's like the one character you think she'd be really an awesome corporate chick, like right. she keeps getting owned by the Michael Douglases and Steve Bakers. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the
0: one of the criticisms I would make about Margin Call, uh, Jeremy Irons needed a haircut.
2: What? No, we talk about. Okay, you know he's the he's the sequel to his Dungeons and Dragons character.
0: (laughs) All right, so Kelly Wand, let's get to the meat and potatoes.
2: Uh, Is
0: I I would put I would call Killer Joe a Kelly Wand movie.
2: Yeah. uh, Well, it's got the and and in mid sentence mix cut off thing, kind of. Right. I think. Oh, oh! So that you normally hate, I presume, but uh, it worked for
0: you in Killer Joe. Well, now I'm just We're starting to do it. it. Okay, okay.
2: I liked everything else, so by the end, I was like, if I, if I, if it's a ninety-seven percent awesome movie.
0: I just want to say too about the ending. I don't think Killer Joe. I think Killer Joe is from a stage play, and I don't think the ending. I don't think it's an it's not an abrupt ending so much as kind of an operatic ending i I think it's not like it's not giving you information everything that you need to know you know by the time the final line is spoken i i feel uh the places the characters are going to reach they reach that by the time the final line is spoken uh and i love that ending i think it's a beautiful ending
2: um Uh, how would she know that so soon or is it, like, months Well, ago? that's a little spoilery, but uh, a right. woman just knows Kelly Wand. Oh, her? <laughs> oh, yeah, she would know. She seems psychic, <laughs> like the catfish guys. Uh, so Who is your, who's your favorite cat, cast member
0: in Killer Joe? Uh, actually, so here you go, Kelly Wand. Dingus, what is your uh,
2: – tell Tell me what you said about uh, Matthew McConaughey in that movie.
1: I felt he was a little one notey. Oh, really? No, he's good, I thought. I, mean, he wasn't, I didn't say he wasn't good at playing that note. Uh, if you're the chicken. Because
0: <laughs> I didn't mind, I mean, it, it wasn't really about him making any sort of transformation. I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily a disagree. A little bit. I think it's, but I was, I was fascinated with that one note. I mean, I normally find him weird and creepy and oily and kind of reptilian, and he was just perfectly that in Killer Joe. I mean, all of that, all of the things that I normally don't like about watching him in a movie – um, I, I thought it just worked just to to great effect in Killer Joe. They, they were I like perfect. Digger,
2: I like when he said, "I like Digger," and I like Thomas Aiden Church a lot. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, he is great. I'm never aware. <laughs> <I love Thanksgiving. laughs> he's the secret seed stealer in that movie, and I was bummed it wasn't more about him because yeah. every time he said something, it was awesome. Yeah, it is his great. Beard, awesome. And his sleeve. It's, he's great. That's
0: really Kelly Wan, doesn't this make you like Don McKay
2: even more? Because you were the holdout who didn't like that movie as much as me and Dingus. Yeah. Now good. I realize he's always good, and I should have just shut the fuck up. He's good in Spider Man, even. <laughs> <laughs> Killer Joe. He's so good in Killer Joe that he's good in Spider Man 3. Right. But well, it's a sequel to the same character, basically. Right, right. Debbie Moore, same thing. <laughs> Well, congratulations for doing some catching up, Kellywan. It's about time. Good is on bug you. Good? is what good is. Bug good? The same one written by
0: that? No, no the, the other Tracy Letts one. You know, maybe I should see it again. Uh, but I, even when I saw Bug, I really, really liked uh, Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd. I, I'm fond of both of them, but I just couldn't stomach Bug. Uh, maybe Get you it. should see it. And- <laughs> Get it, <laughs> <laughs> Kellywan. You might have to do some uh, recon on that and let me know if I'm if I need to give it another chance. Uh,
2: Huh. So, I don't know. Well, it was good to see a good movie by Friedkin. Like I didn't think. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's nice to know he's still with us. Yeah, yeah. he should make a, a sorcerer reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no one, you just ruined.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly one. So that's uh, that's enough of history. But well, well done. I'm glad you got to see those. Let's get to this week's excitement. Yeah. Kelly Wan, I've been dying for this ever since seeing A Good Day to Die Hard. I am ready for my good day to die analysis.
2: I thought you saw it tonight, so you've only been dying for this ten minutes, which is but still flattering. It's felt like days. <laughs> like, how did watching it feel? Shut we'll up, get, just get we'll, on with your shit. Yeah, we'll get to my experience shortly. I want to hear about yours. Oh, I have an office announcement, but oh, I was going to make it at the end, maybe. Okay, we you look forward to it. Not, Interrupting the uh, diehard Opsis. Okay, you ready? Rock and roll. <laughs> <clears throat> Things I saw, heard, thought, wrote down, scraped off my balls, didn't write down, and said to the same 10 year old sitting next to me, who sat next to me in Man with Iron Fists, except now he's 11, during Diehard B. Fuck yeah, 11 year old rated. <laughs> I already fucked it
1: up. <laughs> Fucking acting. Oh. That's right, that's okay. Reset. Keep rolling. Go. Thanks, my dad. Fuck yeah,
2: 11-year-old. R-rated CG, bitch. Or as you Canadians say, PG-17 GCA. That's what they actually call R-rating up here, by the way. It's a PG-17 <laughs> and no R. Which almost makes more sense. See, they're ahead of it. This movie's going to be super violent and chock-a-block with F-bombs, yo. That's me talking to that. Okay. <laughs> and in other news, something-something Russia. Yeah go to the thing. <laughs> Sup, comrade. I'm speaking in Russian right now, but these English subtitles make about as much sense. You could ignore them, actually, just like the actual dialogue. Who are you again? Hi, audience. I play the role of Bruce Willis's son in this movie. This time his estranged male relative. We're really shaking things up. My name's J-something with a fucking I at the end. <laughs> <laughs> But you can call me 2013's Taylor Kitsch. (laughs) I supposedly speak fluent Russian, although for most of this film, my English will be inarticulate. I look nothing like Bruce Willis, so I'll need to convey our gradually developing father-son rapport through sheer acting prowess. But story-wise, it comes down to us shooting guns at the same windows enough times. I or someone similar, but probably from Australia, will inevitably play Han Solo's headstrong protege in Star Wars 7, and the dialogue in that will be pretty similar to this movie's, except that we'll be shooting lasers instead of CG bullets. Because it's the future. I mean the distant past. Fucking Lucas got him mixed up. Tom likes this. Hey, look, 11-year-old, this nightclub's pretty happening in a Shyamalan way. Gun in the kitchen, and none of those guys in chef's hats are reacting. Guess they're all spies, too. Or all chefs are. That would explain why my salmon was so undercooked at the Velvet Turtle the other night, huh? Now pipe down. You might just learn a little something. Molotov Blayev Goyevich, i regards. What? I can hear you fine, but it's supposed to be super loud in here. <laughs> <laughs> Screams. That Russian-looking guy's been shot with regards. Someone call a CG ambulance. It's Russia, John. They use a different alphabet. So do I. Oh, Daddy, what's the f- what the fuck's with my cheekbones? Also, when you get to Russia, don't do anything involving a fire hose. Eject your cedar sandwich board with the N-word. <laughs> 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 if it comes to that, just let my brother die. Also, am I supposed to be the surrogate mom character, or the TNA, like Justin Long and number four? <laughs> hey, 11-year-old, I agree with that ominous musical chord when the camera lingers gravely on that sign that says Aeroflot. <laughs> Do so you remember that? Yeah. Is that a real airline? Or was I supposed to Is that a real airline? I think that was the only real airline in that shot.
0: I was looking at that thinking, did they just have to like remove all the other possible product placement airlines? Like yeah, one, one of them was like Eastboard or East East Side Airlines or yeah, they were I think they were fake airlines and then Aeroflot. Yeah. So Eastjet's
2: fake, too, right? Eastjet, thank you. Thank you, Kelly Wan. I don't think there's any such thing as Eastjet. That would be awesome, though. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, it's just a, it's a, an airplane version of, I don't know. Anyway. McLean, what are you doing here? The name's Dad McLean, and I'm helping your handcuffed passenger to escape without having any idea what's going on. Then I'm going to stand here and look nonplus until you drive off. Then I'm going to hijack a truck and ram a bunch of cars till I crash. Then you're going to pick me up for some reason. Look, McLean, this isn't some stitched together bullshit action movie plot, all right? I'm not your little boy no more. I'm in the CIA now. And I gotta drive this Russian to an ambush by his daughter and a key to a safety deposit box in Chernobyl wrapped in burlap! <laughs> AWK! You're just making it worse. The franchise. He screamed. Hey, 11 year old. I know what you're thinking, and the answer is yes. Whenever I get pissed off at my old man, I'd call him Wand, even though it's my last name, too. It's an American thing. <laughs> Watching this movie is like looking in a mirror. The way when I whisper shit to you is like listening to one. That's for speaking your native tongue and getting punched in the face by me, asshole. And this kick in the cheese for letting me steal your vehicle. Welcome to Russia, pal. Sidebar. Cool first name for Bonnie Bedelia's character in the reboot, surely. Oh, jeez. I'll wait. <laughs> Hi, Dad. I know it's only been a couple minutes since your plane landed, but I'm calling to see if you found my brother yet. Honey, can you call back? My stunt driver's a little busy doing some sick work here. Why'd you answer then? Sorry about your skull there, lady. Look, now's not a good time for logic, baby doll. Hang on while I transfer you to my voicemail. (laughs) That's my Bruce Willis (laughs) says. It's whatever my brother's name is there. Yeah, I'm driving right over him, honey. Can I call you back in a deleted scene? Dad. 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 Dad, 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 dad. Hello? What, honey? Be careful. Why? True. I gotta go, sweetie. What? I was just saying goodbye. I'll talk to you later. Why? Okay, bye. Oh, and Dad, the neighbors told me to tell you they'd appreciate it if you don't say yippee kaye motherfucker, every time. Turn on the sprinkler or cut the lot of ice cream at the ice cream truck or cut your finger off in the garage. <laughs> it's been almost 30 years. Maybe time to get a new catchphrase. Like, I'll be back or "Seaman Beaumont. I don't love you, honey. See you at my cameo, no dialogue, and in slow motion so we can pad the Scott's 90 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am, thought those were airbags. Honey, I really gotta go, we're both so fucking boring. Oh, by the way, mom, Secretary of State, you don't find out till Die Hard 6. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly love you, bye. Sidebar cool first name for estranged grandson in Die Hard 7 uh the <laughs> name of the dude who played Henry Blake on MASH and hello Larry his first name McLean Get it, Tom I don't I don't do McLean that, so. Stevens
1: let's go I like uh I think uh was a good choice I like that
2: too kill them both oh, wait <clears throat> I gotta get right oh <laughs> Shoot them. Shoot them both. Right, right. And she's a girl. Wait, so I gotta do. On, I gotta. I must my hair up and then turn around. Okay. Kill them both. These cops, I mean. Not our own guys. <laughs> Americans. Know what I hate about you? Everything. But especially cowboys. Even though neither of you are in any way cowboy like. Now I feel shoot you both in head, da? Not da. <laughs> I didn't want to look up what it was no. First I will Tap dance and pistol whip you in face <laughs> Eh, You're laughing And torquing arm muscles Near knife shaped bulge and pant leg Against shin we did not find Then frisking you for some <laughs> uh, <got laughs> Dear noble Could you use a couple coats made out of weed whackers Good one McLean If that's your real name just call me Dad, all right? Why are we estranged again? Because we haven't killed terrorists together yet, like you and Mom, you and Sis, or as I call them, McLean and McLean. Bubba, bubble, weeble, wobble, kid. Thanks, McLean. That means a lot. J.K. Fuck you. My whole team's dead. The guy I was supposed to protect got captured by his daughter. But since they're both the villain, it doesn't matter. Look, I botched the mission, whatever it was. I suck, McLean. The six-year-old who played me in the first movie was a better spy. Yeah, why don't we stop at the Flintstones vitamin store and get you some nappies for your vagina? <laughs> Goddamn you, McLean. That rhetorical question just succeeded where my years of training, hereditary tenacity, and presumed aptitude for undercover work totally disappeared from my memory. Kind of like your chain smoking in the first movie and alcoholism in the first three. Now let's CG some vaguely Slavic-looking day players in slow-mo and call it a day. To die hard. good. Speaking of which, we getting shitloads of radiation poisoning right now. You think? <laughs> Six hours, and my urine looks like TV static. See that? <laughs> nah, no, they probably sprayed a couple pipes and CT for a couple seconds. <laughs> oh, hey, M- McLean and McLean. What's oh, this guy's voice? Russian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, in right, a Russian accent. <laughs> Forever. let's get out of this thought it a gun on me and a thousand dudes guarding outside i mean thank god my tap dancer dicked around instead of shooting you oh yeah there's his body i shot him in the head pretty cool payoff for that character since he was supposed to be my captor seeing his corpse should make you guys suspicious but fuck i'm so nervous all of a sudden i've fallen off my charade flawlessly for years against spy agencies and yeah, this is Uranium UB-40, or as one of you calls it, the bomb-making kind. What was supposed to be in here, anyway? Money? Chernobyl? Actually, you know what? He jumps into some helicopter rotors. <laughs> <laughs> McLean? Yeah, McLean? Who the hell was that? <laughs> Check it. Papa, no! Since I'm facing controls, I guess I saw you die in rear view. I will avenge you, Papa, this is for you. Instead of seeing your... <laughs> And through. I will crash into these windows. No, they're jumping out of bay in slow motion. Why didn't I
1: aim? <laughs>
2: hey, 11-year-old. No, the other one. Looks like he copped her feel off her. He's uh, probably too young to get that. Just the seats glass broke our fall, huh, boy? Damn you, McLean! Now that we just got off that 30-hour plane flight, I know it was my mission and all, and you just get crashed it, but does trouble find you, just does finding trouble you that's <laughs> <laughs> just rush into it oh daddy you're an expendables of one the end <coughs> too much acting
0: uh, no kelly wan we love it when you act uh, my announcement, <laughs> announcement. Uh, all right dingus did this movie deserve better than 16% on rotten tomatoes <laughs>
1: Is there a way to go lower than that? Yeah, Sixteen is 60 percent of the critics have no credibility.
2: <laughs> Fucking idiots. No nah, it's really good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's such a waste of time, good lord. Wait, really gonna turn the franchise over to this bozo, honestly.
0: Uh, Wasn't it kicked around? I think this guy replaced someone else. Um, I didn't realize the last Die Hard was 2007. Is that right?
2: Really? Six years ago? Uh, Oh, wait a minute. I can't... Is that wrong? I'm going to look it up. Pretend you... I'm not looking it up.
1: Because I... Yeah, it just seems like it... uh, It It feels like like another movie that... That Die Hard just got grafted into. It doesn't even were, feel like a Die Hard movie. It was
0: the case with the last one, by the way. Wasn't the last one a standalone action movie? That was last one was uh Len Wiseman,
2: who I know you don't like. all right wait, you know I don't like, and I missed him during this movie. Like, gee, Len Wiseman's better than this fucking guy. Well, it really did have none of the stuff that makes the Die Hard's Die Hards. Uh, I, there was a know, trailer I, f- for a movie before it. Did you see a trailer for one set in the White House, where it's like a guy's on the, it's like some shit going on in the White there's
0: House. A couple of those coming out, Kelly Wong. They're actually competing White House movies, I
2: believe. Um, but but you're saying those seemed more like those die hard. like Die Hard movies. I thought, seen the first movie in first Die Hard, he was stuck somewhere, and I thought that was part of the idea of what made it cool. And then in any the other movie, he's just running around all the time.
1: Well, the second well, then, movie, too, it's, it's this idea of, oh, we've, we've left something else to chance. You know, uh, you know the terrorists or whoever they are have taken care of everything, but there's one element they have not taken care of, and it's contained. And, you know, even the second movie, as bad as it is, has somewhat of that element because it's got sort of this airport kind of idea. Is the
0: second one really bad, Dingus? I, I haven't seen it in
2: years,
1: but I remember it not being so good. Okay. But we didn't know it was coming around the pike. This is like the Deadpool. So. But I remember at that time, you know, uh, you know, the first one, oh, we, there's a security guard who's running loose. The second one, there's there's some guy who's this element who's running loose in this contained area. And then we started making jokes about, you know, Die Hard in a Honda Civic. Oh, what have we forgotten? Oh, there's somebody in the glove compartment. And, and now I'm longing for those days of of containment because this has nothing to do with the original idea of of the first Die Hard. Just let it die, Jesus.
0: Well, and, and also, the uh, in the previous Diehards, I got the sense that he was kind of a victim of stuff that was happening. Right. Like, something was happening, and he and this got to the idea of his relative vulnerability compared to a lot of other action heroes uh he's trapped in this setting but this die hard if and and really this is a completely forgettable movie that just has nothing to recommend it even as a crappy action movie it just has nothing to it but one of the reasons it, it seems to me it doesn't feel like a die hard this is the bush doctrine die hard where they even <laughs> They even talk about launching a preemptive attack versus these guys to keep them from getting WMDs and nukes. That's what they say. There's a line topical. that basically he, – he basically says, it's what we do. We go out there and kill all the scumbags. And no, that's not what they do. That's not, not, not Chernobyl. Not. So it's well, topical. They, and, and you know, Dingus mentioned that like it, they had focused settings, even if it was an airport. And I guess the last one lost a little of that with them running around the city or whatever. But this one, the different... like I kind of enjoyed that first traffic scene, but this was just like cut-rate, supposedly yeah. Russian locations. You know, that that abandoned hotel room, and then just good lord, an abandoned industrial area in Chernobyl. Ugh. Like, I, I hated the settings in this. They just had no flavor, and they just felt like something they got cheaply.
2: Um, yeah, it could have been anywhere.
0: And it wasn't even Russia, by the way. This was shot in Hungary. Uh... So, it, you know, it, it reminded me that one of the Matrix sequels had a, a, a big elaborate chase scene that I don't know what city it was actually shot in. Or I think they shot down in Australia, but they shot it on a freeway that was under construction and had big old clapboards up along the side of it. So you couldn't see anything off the freeway. And this just struck me as that kind of thing. Let's just take a, a cheap abandoned location and have an action sequence there.
2: Uh, yeah, but in the Matrix, it would have made sense for that. Like, oh, that's a good have- point. That it, there was no reason to put it in Russia.
0: Well, the Chernobyl thing, I guess, could have been cool if why it, is that it felt good? like it fit. Not,
2: why do we I, give the shit about Chernobyl?
0: Or... We know, I, the thing is, I don't think the script cares about it, but I did no. kind of like that one shot, there's a couple shots, of this this blackened city. You know, there's no power and there's that one lit area. You know, I think that horrible Chernobyl Diaries movie that we saw could have used more visuals like that even. Uh,
2: You're calling this movie better than Chernobyl Diaries? How dare you? I might have to rethink that, Kelly. Wong. Let me get back to you. You just saw it, didn't you? <laughs> Remember last week when you were talking about Melissa McCarthy's commitment? And then the first Die Hard, that's what Bruce Willis is. He fucking hates Alexander Gudinov. He's so, he's like in pain the whole movie. He gets shot a lot. He hates LA. He's pissed at his wife.
1: He's always freaked out. And this, he's so bored. He, really, bored. He's just wandering every, around this movie. How yeah. about that scene where he finds out his epiphany that his son is a spy and not a drug dealer. S- yeah. And Bruce Willis is just smirking and saying little jokes. I mean, there, there's nothing – nobody does anything that's real in this movie, not one time. It really does feel
0: like Bruce Willis has wandered into someone else's movie for most of the part. He's either just standing around or just running to catch up. <laughs> Well, even when he picks up in that safe house scene, it, it's sort of like he picks up someone else's big, heavy machine gun. Sort of like, no one, no one's using this? I'm going to I'm gonna shoot this. Is that okay? Here, I'm just going to stand yeah. here and shoot this. It just seems so out of place
1: and weird. Well, his main catchphrase is either, hey, or <laughs> Scott, or whatever the kids say it Or, I'm on vacation. So I, which he's uh, not. Vacation. He's not on
0: vacation. He <laughs> went vacation. there to get his son, and three times his catchphrase has to do with being on vacation, which he's not.
2: That's his cover story,
1: <laughs> but that's uh, Axel Foley's catchphrase. I thought. I didn't realize you just get to steal uh, your franchises. I do love that as a movie concept, though. That you just you just teleport Bruce Willis into somebody else's movie and have him talking, and nobody can hear him. <laughs>
0: uh, Dingus, what was going on with the the dancing villain having a carrot? What was that? Explain
1: that to us well it 's always good when you have a bad guy who can 't speak English, and uh sometimes that works uh, but if if he doesn 't if he 's not at all menacing at all, give him something silly to hold and If he can eat that thing, whether it be like a pet or a carrot that 's a great idea A carrot could also be a weapon he can so eat that it. pet. Yeah. Oh, Dingus, in what, movie,
0: in what movie Dingus was a carrot, a weapon? I just now thought of this. The Clive Owen one. Shoot him up. Yeah, em up, yeah. Right? very good. Yeah. I wonder if that was a nod to shoot him sure up. If <laughs> they were like, well, we can't be as good as shoot em up, but we can at least maybe have a nod to it. Here, well, I feel well, this like
1: this movie, this movie was constantly flirting with being a parody of Die Hard movies. I mean, there, there were, or, or just making a joke of the whole thing. And, uh, and if they had pushed it, just, just nudged it a little bit toward falling in love with an Englishwoman, um, I think <laughs> that it might have been a parody. I mean, we even have an elevator scene where they're playing girl from Ipanema, which is that, that sort of quintessential elevator joke of, about these kinds of movies. I, I thought that there were so many moments that were so, st- almost silly that it almost could have been a parody but it wasn't he couldn't even do that he couldn't even get the easy joke no
0: well it- I, I just as far as the directing was i mean there was so much in this movie that i just thought was I, and i guess I, because i was bored and was noticing this stuff that i just thought was flat out inept for instance the handheld camera work in this oh. drove me freaking crazy Jeez, why you don't do a diehard movie with a handheld camera uh, I hated that. And just stupid things like you mentioned, Kelly Wand. They've got a nightclub scene and there's no music. Yeah. <laughs> nightclub does not have music playing. There's one point where he pulls the rebar. And, Diggs, I don't know if you caught this. Maybe I'm being a little uh overcritical here. But he pulls that little, like, three-inch a bit of rebar out of his son's side and then throws it aside and the sound effect they play for that little chunk of rebar bouncing off of the concrete was like a big long length of rebar bouncing around it's like somebody used a sound library and was like okay here's a rebar sound effect yeah just put that in there for this little chunk of metal uh at one point he looks through a pair of binoculars and the audience sees a sniper scope view what What was that for? Um, The the blood continuity? You know, they drive eight hours to Chernobyl and never once – it doesn't once occur to them to wipe the blood off of their face. And in fact, they have newly uh, applied different dabs of blood on their face when they get to Chernobyl. Um, Why were there two first-person view shots through gas masks at two separate parts of the movie? Why do we see those? Why does John Moore do that? There was so much about this. It was just inept or gratuitous or or just ridiculous. There was a trunk shot, too, like a Tarantino trunk shot. Oh, Dingus even groaned out loud, I think, when we saw that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) This guy, the director, this is the director making the Capricorn 1 reboot.
0: What? What are you talking about, Kelly? That's not true. Yep. (sighs) Something new for you to dread. Is he going to end Capricorn 1 with a freeze frame, like a bad TV show?
2: Is there going to be that kind of thing? Capricorn 1. He can ruin anything. Oh, in his number one movies, he's going to go to bed on his bed of gold tonight. Just like fucking Brett Ratner. Fuckers.
0: Uh, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Why did the guy from, uh... Why did the bald guy from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark show up? What happened to that? Where did he come from? <laughs> the
1: shirtless, handlebar, mustache, bald dude? Did he get a payoff? No, somebody else got to fall onto the propeller, unfortunately. Yeah, how did he oh. die? How did that... What happened to that, that guy? Does anyone remember? No, he just had his, uh ussr tattoo and that was it he was done
0: was his shift over and he drove home
2: <laughs> they go, well we got the other guy killed by the helicopter rotor so you can just go home now <laughs> we've run out of things to rip off uh dingus explain to me that taxi driver
1: scene <laughs> <laughs> wait because um, john moore wanted to find a way to bring his movie to a screeching halt at the beginning uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he had a long, protracted scene with a silly uh, taxi driver, played by uh, I don't know what's that uh, Russian comedian's name. Yakov Smirnoff. Yeah, played by Yakov Smirnoff, uh, singing a bunch of Frank Sinatra songs, and it just goes on and on and on. Uh, oh, I know what the reason is. So that so that John McClane can hear about the traffic there, and then he can suss out why the daughter smells funny later on. The garden ring, that's right. He knows that the garden ring is full of traffic. Yeah. I
0: wondered, Dingus, if it was uh, like supposed to be a nod to Argyle or something, the limo driver in the first movie. I don't know what they were doing, but that's all. Oh, right. all the nods oh, in ew. this
1: movie are such slow nods. God
0: like, what, what are some God. of the nods, Dingus? Because I'm not even sure I was interested enough to catch some of them.
1: Well, you know, first of all, I have to agree with you. During that rebar scene, I was just sitting there looking at the blood marks on Bruce Willis' faces, face and wondering if they were going to change. I was so bored. I was just, let me look at the blood continuity, because there's something to pay attention to. Um, the nods are, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that whole thing with, oh, jeez, what's the guy from The Lives of Others? What's his name? Oh, Sebastian Cock, or Koch. Thank you, I don't, Sebastian Koch. Um Who's so good in the lives of others, and just yeah. just chewing things here. Um, there's that moment where they go into the vault, and he has to assume his... Uh, oh, yes, Dingus, good call. Go ahead. ...his character, just like Hans does his Bill Clay character, but here it's so obvious. And then, of course, the obvious moment is when he's falling... Off of the roof of the building. Oh my God,
0: how could I not catch that? Because that scene we laughed at, that was so ridiculous. And it didn't even occur to me how cool
1: that was in the original Die Hard. That's right. It's a direct quote of of Hans Gruber falling. Yeah. um, And it's just so hammy. Everything is just so hammy in this movie. I I, I don't know what other things that uh, that he's trying, that uh, John Moore is trying to make references to. Uh, because, you know, every single interpersonal moment in this movie, you know, there's a couple of great interpersonal moments in the original Die Hard. Like, you know, I talked about this with you earlier this week. That, that, that long scene where, where, um, where John McClain is in the bathroom pulling glass out of his foot. And he's talking about his wife, uh, while he's, uh, while he's talking to Reginald Bill Johnson, you know, on the phone. And he's saying, you know, you, you, you tell her that she's the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. It's a beautiful little scene. I have a counterpart for that scene in this movie, Dingus. Go ahead. you get, Take it.
0: It's when uh, when Jai Courtney hears his father talking about how he feels guilty for working long hours as a cop, and Jai yes. Courtney's around the corner there, and he overhears his father and comes <laughs> to a new understanding of his father's travails.
1: I love that that scene happens after we've had a sniper almost take out, and, and actually take out one guy and shoot another guy in the arm, and they're standing in front of a yellow cement truck just like, well, you know... <laughs> Yeah, well, the spies cool. waiting for them to finish talking. Yeah. There's
2: a time thing. Like, oh, wait, my dad's saying some shit about my childhood. It better wait.
1: Might go somewhere. I think it might. Better wait. I don't know. Or they've just said, um, we've got to get into the vault because if, if Komachov or whatever the. F the guy's name is gets into that vault they're going to shoot him immediately okay let's have a long scene where we stand outside the trunk and put on vests and uh i'm going to tell you i love you uh, <laughs> you're going to say you too i got your back i got your back too let's just hang out for a while <laughs> oh, god this is when you're going to this is when you're going to burn your i love you moment with the two of them they're in a hurry <laughs> and your plan No. or right, cool is- it is so remarkable how uninvested
0: both actors are. I don't know who this <laughs> Jai, Jai Courtney fella is. By the way, he's another freaking Australian coming over here stealing our jobs. But uh, unlike other Australians who are good, this guy was just terrible. I think he's yes. from I think he's from Spartacus or something. Um, he was in Jack Reacher. Oh, that's right. You know what? Because so that's right. So here's our second Jack Reacher. And I don't even was he. Neither of you guys saw Jack Reacher. No. So I'm not even sure I remember who he was. But if you if he was who I think he was. Uh, he was pretty inoffensive in Jack Reacher, but here the guy—he's just terrible. No one's inoffensive in Die Hard Five. You know what? I got—I got—I got, I do want
1: to call out one person. Well, so, I don't—I don't understand why people like—is his name Jai or Jay? I mean, how do you pronounce it? Oh, I don't know. Is it Jay? It might Co- be I like high I like Y. I. I don't oh, know like, like, why why somewhat buff. Um, Completely without charisma, Australians keep getting thrust upon us. I, I, why is Sam Worthington why, – why do these guys – why do we have to – why?
2: Why do they have to be like that, like the same thing? Isn't there – you've already seen a- Australia. It's a whole continent. Can't there be just one
1: different look? Is there America? nobody from America who has an ounce of charisma who could take this part? Honestly, Paul Walker. And, and even if there's not somebody from Australia – from America, there's got to be somebody from Australia or New Zealand who has. How does this guy get
0: this part? And I actually, yeah, I, think, I think I know the answer to this dingus. He's he's from that TV show Spartacus. I presume they're doing fairly well. His agent parlayed. You know, this is a low budget movie, obviously shot on the cheap in, in Hungary. Uh, I'm sure they thought, hey, this guy might be hot. Let's get him to be. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's like Shia LaBeouf in uh, in the Indiana Jones movie. I think. Low bar. It's somebody sort of making a prediction that's probably a little off. Uh, yeah, this guy's really going to take off as an action hero, uh, and it's the sort of thing too. Like when they're shooting, don't they realize what a bad call that is? No, they. Uh, don't.
2: Yeah, I guess because it's John Moore, right? Yeah. Oh, it's great. They're just surrounded by the same kind of guys as like that agent who who made the deal with his wife. So. The casting director. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, okay, so I briefly enjoyed, so the movie's going along and going along, and I, I kind of liked, I could watch that big truck, by the way, bang into cars on the side of the road all night. Like, that was, <laughs> I enjoyed that. That kept me going for a while, so we get some of that, then we get to the safe house, and I'm like, oh, Cole Hauser's in this movie. Oh, no, he's not.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I briefly enjoyed seeing Cole Hauser, and I thought maybe he was going to be like a double-crossing guy, or he's going to be like the uptight agency guy. And Nope, nope, we're done with Cole Hauser, that's a wrap for him.
2: Uh, they had much bigger plans I guess so uh,
0: here's the, here's one part of the movie that I thought was splendid you guys ready for this
2: mm, wait I'm trying to guess it okay oh, go ahead. I don't give a shit go ahead
0: I loved this uh, so uh, I think her name is Julia Sniger, Sniger Sn- I don't I don't Sniger I don't know how to pronounce her name. That model who plays uh, Sebastian Cox's daughter, uh, she she shows up wearing this kind of cream colored outfit with a short skirt. When she's walking out to the helicopter and the skirt <laughs> blows up and you see those stocking tops, she's wearing those cream colored stockings too. I thought that was so incredibly hot. Uh, I remember that. Was she wearing Spanx? Yeah. guess why do you got to ruin a sexy moment by referencing the heat
2: uh, oh God so was she okay she never used sex in her job as a guy uh, no not well no that's not no but
0: it's like this one accidental shot was incredibly hot from the helicopter wash blowing open the flap of her skirt. Uh-huh. she's
1: the pilot. And then they keep, they keep showing her legs when the, that helicopter, that Apache or whatever the hell it is, the Miss Bella. It's
0: a, it's, I dare you, Ding, it's the Hind. An Apache's an American helicopter. I dare
1: you. <laughs> when that helicopter is flying away, you know, in that, after the long protracted Bruce Willis looking out the window, I think that helicopter's gonna shoot us. <laughs> you just keep seeing her legs. Did, did either of you, by the way, uh, after the reveal, um, that the good guy is the bad guy, and he's in right. with his daughter. Did either of you think they were going to start making out? Yes, yes. Yeah. I thought it was going to
2: be a ruse. It's called t- Wanda ripoff, off. but no. I guess I he hasn't seen that movie. That's the only reason it wasn't in there. I was
0: glad she got out of her hazmat suit, though. I was afraid they were going to leave that, that poor girl bundled up in a hazmat suit. For well, why, put suit. Him, why make him go to Chernobyl? I don't even know. Why,
1: why did, <laughs> everybody out in front of that, that building... When, when the guys are looking at it from a distance, everybody's in in hazmat suits. But then they just walk in without them, and yeah. they're fine, and then they spray the CG on stuff, and everybody's fine. What the, what the hell is going right. on? Why? why did, yeah, why not just set it somewhere you don't need to
2: hose down 20 <laughs> seconds after saying, all right, we're this landmark. that's not- <laughs> I know
0: it's not 1986. Obviously, they had the props for those cool, like, Hose down radi- anti-radiation oh, spray, someone, those, just, those guns. They had, like, guns that spray radiation-proofing stuff. So they had to use those. Oh, so you're right he-
1: they used the iPad Geiger counter as well.
0: <laughs> that's true. I like that. Yeah, it had different bars, I guess, for different, I don't know, ratings of radiation. How, how does that work, Dengus?
1: Well, actually, what they did is they just borrowed the iPad from Mission Impossible. <laughs> it was protocol. And they said, well, it's still in Moscow, so just send it over to Pripyat, and we'll hook it up to the shemangu machine. And... <laughs>
0: uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Also, iPads in Moscow. Yeah. Uh, so, Dingus, there's, I, I just thought of another nod to the earlier movies. Uh, in that um, in that empty hotel ballroom scene, uh, Bruce Willis and his son, uh, Sheaston Fenster, the skylights.
1: <laughs> that's right, yes. That is a wonderful moment where they're shooting the ceiling.
2: And they, they didn't uh, even, yeah, I don't even, was that an accidental Ceiling on Rickman. It has to be. Does it? Uh...
1: No, I, I automatically thought that it, it seems. I actually thought it was a somewhat clever nod because they're turning the tables a little bit, and it's up above instead of below. Wait, no, it's, it's the same. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Disregard.
1: And I also thought every time there was an interpersonal scene, like um, when they finally get uh, the dude out of you know, they do the rooftop rooftop chase. Mm-hmm. They run down into this wherever shopping mall or and and. Uh, and Jai puts a tourniquet on the guy's arm and Bruce Willis for some reason runs over and puts his coat on the man. Who's oh, yeah. <laughs> Here, sir. <laughs> I know you're freezing in your native land. There's 300 SWAT dudes or whatever after them, but none of them follow them. And so they have a, a scene and every time they have one of these scenes, it seems like the actors are just improv. I don't, I don't get the sense that any dialogue was written for any of these interpersonal scenes. It's just, so awkward and stilted. It's horrible.
2: I liked the Russian girl's hind.
1: One, two, three. La,
2: la, 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 la. la. Tell you what, hind is an
0: actual name for a helicopter, you know. The NATO designation for Russia's MI-24. And they had, by the way, I did notice this, that helicopter wasn't just all CG, so suck it. They had in the credits... Which, for some reason, had a Rolling Stone song. They had in the credits a uh, credit for the, that particular hind and the crew that flew it. So
1: there, Kelly Wand. What? So a helicopter goes down in the first one, and he <laughs> winds up in a pool, I think, inside Nakatomi Plaza. So maybe there's another quote.
0: Ah, there you go. Okay. So basically, wait, wait, is what you're saying is uh, every bit as good as Die Hard 1.
2: Better. <laughs> It was a Valentine's uh, movie, and then Die Hard 1 was a Christmas movie, so each one's a different holiday. Ah, uh, right, right. It's bad, because Russia, can start. Right. Shut up, Bond.
0: Well, let's occupied. go, uh, so in this Die Hard, they did have the elevator scene, which, you know, had some witty repartee, had a little soundtrack. By the way, when Girl from Ipanema played in the theater, I saw the movie with Dingus, Dingus sang Girl from Ipanema.
2: Not There's true. not much else to do. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Was he stringed too? He was. Whoa. Uh, he was far more entertained
0: than anyone else in the theater.
1: You know, one of the things that's great about the original Die Hard is how difficult it is for him to get weapons and ammunition, mm-hmm. and how scarce and how much that's a resource. And in this movie, it is just so abundant. It's like they have a cheat code. It, uh,
0: anyway, I like that Die Hard with a cheat code. I like that. Uh, all right, so uh, in this elevator scene, uh, I don't know that there's much payoff. So let's talk about better elevator scenes. Uh, that's what this week's three by three is: is elevator scenes in movies, inside elevators, outside elevators, regarding elevators, maybe dialogue about an elevator. You can come up with, with whatever wow. you like. I don't know. Maybe someone in, in uh, my dinner with Andre talks about elevators. Kelly Wand. I didn't want to deprive you <sighs> of choosing that if you so chose, if you wanted to do that. Um, Dingus, let's see, is it your 3 by 3 No. Yeah, Dingus, it's your 3 by 3 next week, so you'll be starting us off. What is your number 3 pick for elevator scenes in movies?
1: All right, my number 3 pick, uh, I'm going to give you a quote from it, I believe. Mm. I like this. I think I'm going to be able to guess it. Go ahead. Uh, no need to worry just yet, fellas. Nothing's going to happen while we're standing in the lift, because they'd have to carry the corpses over to the cars, and that's much like hard work.
2: Jeez, is it Bridge Over the River Kwai? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, no. the list was what Tom based that on. That's true. Uh, huh? Corpses over the something, other words. All right, it's a movie called Rock and Rolla. Oh. You guys remember oh, that? Oh,
0: wait a minute. What's an elevator scene in that?
1: I loved that, but tell me the elevator scene. All right, this is 2008, directed by Guy Ritchie, and I loved this movie, but no, I don't think anybody else did other than maybe Tom and my friend Daniel. Um it's a so Johnny Quid has just been shot in the gut and he's being taken down the lift to be executed, and uh, and two henchmen Mickey played by Ludacris, who <laughs> I actually love. In I was just remembering when we had to see or had to sit through with our fingers in our ears the extended preview for, um, oh God, <laughs> Faster and Furious or Sixer. Uh, how much I loved him in, in Fast Five. Uh, so Ludacris is standing on one side of him, and Jeremy Pippen's on the other side of him, and Johnny quid is explaining to them what's going to happen when the lift gets to the ground. So, you, know, <laughs> you don't have to worry right now, because we're in the lift, and they, they're not going to do anything yet, because they'll have to drag our corpses, but I'm just letting you know what's going to happen. And the editing's wonderful, because Johnny Quidd uh, tells them, um, he, they're going to lead us out to the car, he's going to shoot me in the head twice, and in the throat just to make sure, and then you guys shouldn't have brought me here, because at that point you're just going to be witnesses and it's this great little bit of editing as uh i think the guy's name is danny or danny boy um she uh, kills all of them and uh and he says and now he's unsure and he's going to shoot so and there's this this battle erupts in the elevator as uh, ludicrous and jeremy piven grab danny and uh And then Johnny Quid says, give me the gun. He's not going to do anything because he doesn't have a head anymore. And then the elevator doors open, and he takes out the other two hitmen. And what's great about this is that uh, an elevator going down, that's a contained period of time. It's not like they're waiting for hitmen to show up. They're not in a room waiting for somebody to show up. Once that elevator hits the ground, this is their last chance to overcome or to to take advantage of their superiority of numbers. Because once those elevator doors open, that's over. And so I, I, I just love the way that rock and roll scene develops. Kelly Wan, why
2: haven't you seen rock and roll? Uh, I don't see movies without ours in the end of the time.
0: is <laughs> <Dang, laughs> that the one with Gerard Butler dancing with his buddy, right? Isn't that rock and roll? Yeah. God, I love that movie. Why don't more people see that? Everyone listening, see rock and roll. What's the matter with you people? <laughs> Guy Ritchie movies. But it's not. I mean, it, yeah. Some of them are great. Mark Strong. That's the one with Mark Strong too, right? Yeah, rock and Roll. I, I remember. Yeah, I remember threads of Rock and Rolla, and I'm not sure I recall how they thread together. Like some of them feel they're from different movies. Uh, but I should see that again. I'm glad you mentioned that, dingus. Uh All right, Kellywan, what do you have that tops that? What's the number? What's your number three pick? And is it better than the elevator scene in Rock and Rolla? Uh,
2: I'll do a quote from mine. <laughs> I love these. Yes, Kellywan. <clears throat> <laughs> die hard
1: yeah <laughs>
0: what's, it, what's oh i see is it, uh, it, it does it involve does it involve writing
1: instead of uh, spoken uh, dialogue no there's some speaking is the neckline you were saying oh what <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Maybe we shouldn't guess because there are so many elevator scenes, but I'm assuming we know what you've got. So, Kelly, want tell us about your diehard elevator scene.
2: There's a lot of cool elevator scenes just in that movie. Which well,
1: it is set on a skyscraper, so... Yeah. But, um... Yeah, well, but this, he, and he spends most... your favorite elevator-related scene, so you've got to give us
2: one. Right. Oh, Bruce Willis is in the flooding uh, lobby, and then the elevator goes dang, and then when it opens, like, a big explosion comes out of it, and then he's all, Jesus. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> Thanks, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, one of uh, the many good elevator scenes in Die Hard.
2: It's just it was completely arbitrary, and... I don't know. It wasn't. It was. It was like a payoff without a setup. Like for you, don't even need the setup to have the ding, huh? I guess
0: so. I mean, I. I think most folks think of the ho ho ho. I have a machine gun. Uh, bit, um,
2: but uh, you know what? It's your for. You don't remember the one I'm talking about? No, of course I do. Of course I do. But I That's immediately thought third favorite. Okay.
1: Uh, my, well, can we can we talk about our favorite diehard elevator scenes, or should we wait? No, no, yeah, go ahead, Dingus. What would you pick? Uh, my favorite is the one I, I just quote. Is when uh, when he's, he thinks he has the drop on Bill Clay, and he says, "Whoops, Hans, no bullets." And then the elevator goes ding, and he goes, "Oh, all oh, right, right." We're saying, and the elevator doors open, and just a terrorist just reaches the gun out and just does a like a pinwheel of of automatic fire outside of the elevator. Door.
2: See that? See that? The end of that makes sense. But when in Die Hard Five. There, it never makes sense. Uh, but
0: isn't ho oh, oh, ho oh, I have a machine gun isn't that guy in an elevator or did I just rem- misremember oh, that?
1: Oh no no, yeah and 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 Bruce Willis is on top of the elevator riding on his forehead or on his forearm. Right. Full of el- el- good yeah, what happened Die Hard 5 that you couldn't manage at
0: least one good elevator scene and Die Hard 1 had three of them.
2: Yeah, there's no budget in that, is there? And the Die Hard 4 has a good one, too. There's like a fight in that elevator. That? Yeah. Save it for the runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, no, That's we are on the t- topic of Die Hard. That is a great... And Dingus
0: talking about rock and roll and made me think of that uh, elevator fight in Die Hard 4. Or no, Die Hard... Is it? Die Hard 3 has an elevator fight. Isn't that what you're Which thinking, one? Kelly Wand? No, I'm the one of the in one in the car with the Asian chick. That's Die Hard 4. And Die Hard 3, the one in New York with Jeremy uh, Irons... There is a really good elevator gun. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Shootout in the elevator. Yeah, that was really good.
1: Oh, holy cow! You made me think of a different runner-up I hadn't even thought of,
0: Kelly. Save them. It's really oh. cool. Yeah, save it. Save it for the runners-up because we got plenty of them. Uh, all right, let me give you guys a quote from my number three favorite elevator scene. You ready? <clears throat> I've never been in one of these before.
1: Uh, that's clearly from the watch because that's your. <laughs> <laughs> this one actually, I didn't. I, uh, I didn't is, remember. Is that uh, being there? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Thank you. See, I do such a good impression of Peter Sellers. Uh, do you know? Do you remember that scene, Angus? Is there a television?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember that because it's got the trifecta of where the guy goes. Uh, I was just—he um, laughs, and he, I was just waiting for you to say something funny. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that. So this is one of those bits of dialogue,
0: I, and I just love little exchanges like this, where two characters are talking to each other, and each character. Thinks the other person is talking about something else. Uh, and so what happens is Peter Sellers, who's playing Chauncey Gardner, uh, he's sort of an idiot man-child uh, who's only been raised on television. He doesn't know the real world. He's sitting in a wheelchair, and they, they take him to Melvin Douglas's house where he's going to go meet Melvin Douglas, who's this elder statesman. And so uh, he goes into this rich guy's house. He's in a wheelchair because I think he hurt himself. So they put him in the wheelchair, and they roll him into an elevator with the attendant. And he and the attendant are sitting in the elevator. Chauncey Gardner has never seen an elevator. And you can tell because of the way the scene is shot, and this is the beauty of elevators on film... All the characters are facing the same way. Uh, the two Peter Sellers is sitting in the chair and the attendant standing there, and you can tell from Peter Sellers' face, Chauncey Gardner doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know why they've wheeled him into this little room and closed the doors. And he's looking around the room thinking they've just put him in a closet, and he says, I've never been in one of these before. And the attendant thinks he's talking about the wheelchair. And so they have this great conversation where the attendant explains uh, that, you know, it's Mr. Rand has an electric one. And Peter Sellers has no idea what to make of that. And my favorite thing in the scene is Peter Sellers, again, talking about the fact they're in this closet, says, uh, well, how long do we stay in here? (laughs) <laughs> and, the, and the guy says, "Well, I don't know. We'll see what the doctor says." <laughs> uh, I just and it's just such a great. I mean, Peter Sellers is so freaking good, uh, and it's just such a great bit of acting. That whole movie, but specifically yes. that elevator scene, I love.
1: Well, uh, he's in he's in a wheelchair because he got hit by the car. I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal, but that's why he's at their house because they they hit him with his car. Ah, right. So they're taking him.
0: At, right, right. Yeah. Never been in a car either. I thought. <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's not – you can only go so far. I mean, obviously, if he watches TV, he knows what an elevator is. But you know what? I'm willing to cut it some slack uh, so.
2: But the one he right. I mean, was in wasn't one that he saw on the TV shows. I mean, exactly. Way, way more ornate.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, so there's my number three pick. Dingus, what is your number two pick for an elevator
1: scene? All right. Give Here's us a
0: line from it. Here's
1: yeah. a quote from it. Kids, probably the same everywhere. This is the second floor. I do it all the time.
2: I
0: don't know, Kelly. want you got any guesses?
1: Second floor, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. you'll, you'll never get this. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I freaking love this elevator scene. This is from uh, a movie called Three Days of the Condor. Uh, such a fertile topic. Elevators. Also, best use best use of an iron in a movie. <laughs> oh wait,
0: uh, it's an iron or a phone? Well, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: Go do, ahead. do you remember the elevator scene in this? I think- um, so, So Robert Redford knows he's being pursued by an assassin, and he goes to his friend's apartment. He sends her upstairs on an elevator, and he waits for the downstairs elevator while the while Max von Sadao is waiting in the hall with him. And they both get on the elevator together, and Redford realizes, this is the guy coming to get me. Uh, But they're on the elevator with a bunch of other people. And these jerk kids, teenagers get on, and one of the, and the, the jerkiest of them presses a bunch of the elevator buttons. <laughs> and, uh, and then the kids get off with the old man who has the birthday cake. And it's just Max Sydow and Robert Redford on the elevator together. Both of them, well, at least Robert Redford knowing after, it's, it's just, it's got such great tension, because there's this weird moment where, uh, where Max Funsenau, uh, Picks up this glove and says, is this your glove? And he puts it over the rail and, and they're, they're going down the elevator and it stops because the kids pressed a bunch of buttons and <laughs> Robert Edwards so nervous and it stops again and he gets off. But Maxwell side also says, this is the second floor. You know, I do that all the time. And so he has to go back <laughs> on the elevator. Um, it's just, I love that. And and it's a small, it's one of those little small apartment elevators, uh, but I just love the tension, and I I I just have, a, I, have got, I have got a huge toner for uh, Three Days of the Condor.
0: It's not a thing, dingus. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, who directed Three Days of the Condor? Is that Sydney Lumet?
1: It's Sidney Pollock, actually.
0: Pollock. Ah, oh, I'm such a. All right. Mm. Uh, and doesn't what I remember about Three Days of the Condor? Doesn't Robert Redford tie a guy up with like a phone cord, and then the guy ends up using the phone to fight him, or? Isn't there some scene where he he catches and ties up an assassin who jumps through the his bound hands and then there's a fight scene? He has a fight scene with
1: a guy who who's like dressed as a postal worker. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and I think that happens, but you know I haven't seen that movie in forever. But that particular uh, elevator scene really. What's rests. the iron? Well, I was thinking he he bound his hands with the
0: cord for an iron and then yeah. it becomes a weapon. But I think it's actually a telephone. I'm, I'm not, I'm not,
2: I'm that cable ca- comes out. So it would make a huge difference for On him. an iron. Well,
0: no, no, the phone one does. Oh, right. Good point. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Kelly one, we'll have to, uh, we'll check on that and get back to listeners next week. <laughs> <laughs> my, my producer's looking into that. Uh, <laughs> Kelly one, what's your number two pick for an elevator scene in a motion picture?
2: All right. I'll do a quote from it. Uh. <laughs> Don't fuck with daddy. <laughs> uh, the stepfather? No. <laughs> no, they did. It said, "Be don't fuck with stepdaddy." <laughs> good, good point. Uh, I don't want to guess because I'm
0: just going to start throwing out cool elevator scenes that would be on runners-up or it's listener it's- submissions. So I don't recognize that one.
2: Oh, it's from Speed One. Where the first thing? Oh. The better thing? Is that where Jeff Daniels bites it? No, he bites it in the house with the
0: bomb. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I thought that he gets blown up in an elevator shaft, disarming a bomb. No,
2: no it's, the elevator shaft is the thing, Dennis. That's like the that's the whole bus thing is Dennis Hopper being pissed off that Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels fucked up his awesome elevator. <laughs> 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 that's the only reason it even happens it's his stupid revenge plot that also so fails. Explain the elevator scene to us, then. It's the opening act of Speed, which for me is the best one of the three comprised the movie and you don't even know it's coming you know the movie's about a bus so it's like you don't even realize the elevator scene is going to be good but it's a really good one because maybe it's just because i'd only been in an elevator unlike chauncey gardner and not a bus or a train at that point in my life so it spoke to me but it's a really great action sequence and it's really scary because they don't think they're gonna die and the chick almost gets her foot cut off it's just her shoe i don't remember any of what you're talking about yeah i don't either you don't. Uh, they have to like set up the trick. It's like they think he's going to blow it early, so they like tie this. They have a lot of bad ideas. Like t- they like tie the cable to the pulley, and then, then it hits like the thing. It's a bunch of but like giant metal things crashing into each other. It's really good. This is
1: the first was- time we hear a pop quiz. Does he talk about that in that scene? At the end
2: of that, and then he shoots his buddy, right? Doesn't he shoot Jeff Daniels at the end? So
1: they're
0: they're in an it's an action sequence in an elevator shaft. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, the Dennis Hopper. Is going to detonate because it's he's mad about something. All right, you don't remember that? I guess. Uh, Speed, I,
1: I, been yeah, I've rip. seen
0: Speed once, and uh, yeah, I don't generally do Sandra Bullock movies. Demolition Man, good. Did you see the Heat preview? Yeah, Dingus referenced it on the podcast once. Uh, I unfortunately <laughs> did see the Heat preview, and
1: uh, I don't. Yeah, it did not make me. It's so depressing. It's depressing to watch that. That's depressing. That's the state of American movies.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, Dingus? We don't know. Maybe they just decided to not show the good scenes in the trailer, in which case yeah. we should. I'm going to put your head
1: in this door, and I'm going to slam it about 137 times, and that's going to happen. And I'm going to do that. 157, I think, is the count. Right, good point. Uh, all right, so
0: speed. Uh, the opening action sequence in Speed, which I don't remember, but I'm glad uh, to hear
1: you get a little. No, I feel lonely now. It's Speed no, it's... One. Speed... I like speed... Kelly One called it Speed One. <laughs>
2: Well, then the second one, the the opening act, is Tim Conway driving Sandra Bullet's driving teacher, and then Jason Patrick's the new Keanu Reeves, and his thing is like he's following – it's PG-13, you know, the speed one was like R a little. And then they're like throwing irons and appliances out of a van at him, and he's like dodging them on his motorcycle, and it's really boring. And it doesn't look good, but it's like the elevator's good. So, yeah, okay. Do you right. remember
1: what Speed 2 is actually called, Kelly?
0: Cruise Control. Oh, I, w- I would have gotten that one. That's good.
2: That's a good one.
1: William DeFoe. William? <laughs>
2: um, William. <laughs> William DeFoe. Uh, all right, my number two choice
0: for an elevator scene. Uh, actually, I meant to watch it before we recorded, but I, I've seen it so many times. Um, it's it's uh, Ripley's Descent at the End of Aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh where she goes down into the big industrial—it's uh, actually, a, I think, it's like a nuclear cooling terraforming thingamabob on there.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and the thing is, it's uh, it's her deciding to go rescue Newt, and it's sort of this one woman. And there's almost something mythic about it. This one woman going down into hell, descending into hell to to fulfill her role as a mother, basically. Uh, James Cameron was nowhere near that heavy-handed back then, uh, and it just—it's—it's it's the standard character suiting up before a battle sequence but it's on this big industrial elevator and there's an iconic shot of different levels of movement like the elevator coming down it's got uh two different doors moving in different directions. So it's sort of like there's this metal unveiling, kind of like the, the way the eggs open on the the face huggers, these, these, these bits of metal sort of slide out of the way. And there's Sigourney Weaver and the sound stops and you just hear the, the alarm going, The, the music stops. You just hear the alarm going, but it's sort of her emerging or sort of being born as this warrior venturing out to save newt. I love that sequence in alien. Uh, that's,
2: that's iconic to me. Um, but I also, at mm-hmm. the end of that, the alien chases her back up in the other other elevator. Yep. And yep. I remember thinking that was awesome, too. It's like the aliens, it, it's like, that's the first time we've seen the alien use technology, so it's, we get the sense that it's smart and it's just not just like... Right,
0: right. Man. That's right. It gets in, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Um, good. Man, Membran Cameron was good.
2: Uh, he did another cool elevator scene in another movie, but it's one of my runners up, so I don't want to steal things. we well, you know,
0: the thing is, all that playing with like mechanical stuff, like the elevators and that industrial setting, he played with that in Terminator too. At the end of Terminator,
2: okay, oh, yes. yeah.
0: when they run into uh, into the little robot shop in Terminator, uh, and this is sort of like an expression of it. And the same with the loader battle, like all that industrial mm-hmm. kind of stuff that he was fascinated with.
2: Um, On T two, the one where they're in the elevator going. Like escaping from the mental hospital? Oh, oh, I think I remember that. Describe that great one. Well, you only don't, you don't see the T-1000's point of view. It's just from in the elevator with no music playing. So they're like shooting up, like they're listening for it. It's this really great scene. It just takes forever. It's one of those, it's one of the reasons like elevators are so good in movies is because you can fuck with the timing a lot, but it's just like. And then they get out at the end, and he like drops. I think I can't remember. Maybe I'm making this up. Forget. I like
1: it. how at the beginning of this you said I don't want to talk about this one in case it's dinguses, and then you just went and did it.
0: Well, because oh, so is, is this your number
1: one dingus? No, I, I just like that no. you did
0: that.
2: <laughs> well, because you didn't say you did say that when Tom started going off on Terminator One, as I call it. So. But I wasn't talking about elevators in Terminator One. I was talking about the industrial machinery
0: stuff. So there, yeah, just didn't go. Uh, <laughs> uh, duh. Uh, Dingus, do you remember the, the elevator scene he's talking about in T2? Yeah,
1: of course. That's, that's come with me if you want to live. And then, you know,
0: yeah, of course. All right. Uh, well, Dingus, what's your number one pick for uh, an elevator scene in a film or motion picture?
1: Uh, here's a quote from it. Uh, I just wanted you to know, getting to be around you and Benicio was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Damn it, Dingus freaking stole my number one. What a jerk. Of course. This is
1: this is hands down my favorite elevator. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, is it,
0: is it just because it's recent or is it just because it's that good? I think it's because it's that good. It's because I think it's that good. It's like an know, entire
1: movie that takes place in an elevator.
0: It really is. But you know what? He, in what other movie did, did he ex- play with this scene as well? So I, I'll have more to say about it, That stuff that you don't know yet,
1: Dingus. So go ahead. What's your number <laughs> one? I love the elevator scene in Bell Hall Rising. I will say
2: that. <laughs>
0: Um. Kelly Wan doesn't know what we're talking about yet
2: No, I'm dumb
0: (laughs) Did I see the movie? Oh yeah, you saw it I I guess
1: I'm dumb Alright, Dingus, tell us about the elevator scene in Drive Alright, so the elevator scene in Drive Kelly, do you remember seeing the movie Drive? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah You know, with Dwayne Johnson? (laughs) Drive angry
0: (laughs) Wait what the one where they make out? <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. All right, Dingus, describe my just Dingus. Describe my number one choice of an elevator scene
1: that you stole from. Makes you a jerk. Let me helpfully do that for you. So, driver, played by Ryan Gosling, uh, is in the elevator and he sees the hitman and he notices the gun in the hitman's coat, and um, he moves his arm back to move Irene behind him. And as he does so, the lights in the elevator shift and change, and we go into slow motion. And there's this incredible kiss that goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And, goes on. and then they look and at I each other.
0: And I just want to say, too, part of the kiss, Dingus, is that hes it's so protective. He moves her away with his arm, and then he puts his body between her and the hitman. I mean, it's such this, uh, as well as being very sensual, it's such this protective gesture.
1: Uh, it's protective, and it's also... Otherworldly. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the things I love about the scene because of the shift of the lights and the and the way the the sound changes and the way the speed of the um, film, I guess you would say, changes. It's it's this otherworldly moment that happens happens, and it's not just the kiss. It's it's the look that they share after the kiss, and it's long. It takes a long time, and then it, it's not even snapping out of it, but he comes out of it. And then he just destroys the hitman. And what do you mean by destroys? I mean, he stomps his head so long, you think he's going to get like some extras out of him or something. (laughs) And then the wonderful thing about the end of the scene is that she leaves the elevator, turns around and the elevator door closes between them, which is, which is something I don't always remember about that scene. I tend to remember the lights and, and the speed of the movie and uh, the speed of the film, I should say. And, and the violence of it, but she goes into the parking garage, turns around, and then the elevator door closes. Um, and I love that whole containment of that scene. It's just, oh, my God, it's such a beautiful freaking scene. And the look on his face, too,
0: Dingus, I really like as well, because there's uh... – there's also a similarly violent moment in the bathroom of a hotel room where Christina Hendricks gets it, which I think there's also some slow-mo, and his face is blood-spattered. And I think maybe our audience laughed when when I saw it, um, yeah. and I think they laughed also at the elevator scene because they didn't quite know what to make of it. But the look on his face is so – like I don't think he looks that way at any other point in the movie, I think. like, And it's their first kiss, isn't it? Like nothing's happened up until
1: then, has it? I don't think so, but – but the look on his face to me is is contained. This is why I chose that that the line I chose because it feels like I've I've revealed something to you that I don't know I'm death or something. Right. I've revealed something to you that is fundamentally going to change everything that we had before or everything we could have been. No matter what I try to do or you try to do, um, everything will change from this point on. And that moment where you're talking about and the gesture of trying to protect her. That's what this all is. No matter what, no matter what will become of him, he's he's done what he can to protect her. It's just, it's it's
0: such a great juxtaposition of tenderness and violence too. Just the way it's yeah. shot and what he does, and you know we're about to see a, uh, it's a special effect, of course, but we're going to see a, a guy literally. I mean, there's a shot of his the dude's head literally caved in. Yeah, uh, it's incredibly violent. It's the sort of it's like horror movie gore kind of at that point. Um, and you know what it reminds me too just watching that scene uh, an elevator door closing is like a wipe as far as like a, an editing technique uh closing out of a scene uh, and I love that like it's a it's a great way to close the scene to cl-
1: cut a scene off um, It really does look like that when you look at that and look at her and look at the look on her face as the door just shuts on it
0: yeah uh nicholas winding Refn also played not to this extent but there is some cool elevator play in a movie he made english language movie he made way back when that nobody saw with uh john turturro called fear x which has some cool elevator play so uh nowhere near as good as drive but uh there is some nifty elevator stuff in that if you can find a copy
2: so thanks for stealing my number one pick dingus you're welcome i'm glad to be of service
0: you know what that means is we only now have Kelly Wan's number one.
2: Wait, you're going to okay. say stuff that you said Dingus was too dumb to get about? No, just nobody has seen Fear X but me. Fear X is uh,
0: I don't even know if it ever got a theatrical release. I'm sure you could probably rent it, but I saw it at Sundance, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. and
0: I don't think I don't think it ever came out here. Uh, and it was his first English language movie. Hmm. Who's Dingus's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicholas Winding Refn is. Uh, I'm going to screw this up. Is he Danish? Christian,
1: what Dingus? Oh, good lord. I don't, I don't Off the top of my head, I don't even know. Yeah, I believe he's Danish. So uh, I yeah. thought he was Finnish. Oh,
0: that doesn't even make sense, Kelly Wand. He has a <laughs> little Frenchman in him. Kelly Wand, what is your number one pick for an elevator scene in a
2: movie? I'm going to do a quote. You have to guess what movie it's from. Awesome. He's Danish. Duh. <laughs> I'm bummed because I don't think Dingus saw this movie and I'm upset about that. But we'll get into that. Never. All right. Have I seen it, Kelly Wand? Yeah, but you think it's stupid. Ah, well, let's hear it. <clears throat> Not the quote of the movie. Well, you'll think the quote's stupid, too. <clears throat> Here, boy, want your mouse? Nice mouse. Pretty toy. Hmm. What? I
0: have no idea what that is. Here, boy, do you want your mouse? Nice mouse. Good lord.
2: Is it some Disney thing or like, the shaggy DA? All right, bomb, prepare to receive new orders. Oh. There's an yeah, oh, wait a minute. What's the elevator
0: scene? And so there's an elevator aboard the Dark Star.
1: Oh, no, good on, Lord, Dark go. Star again. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. See.
0: Is it because he chases the alien into an elevator shaft? Yeah.
1: That's-
2: and then he's in the elevator, and it blows up. You remember that? And he's pretending that he's uh, clawing the edge of the shaft. <laughs> he just shot. It. He just turned the camera. Up. Right, they laid down on the ground and, and pointed it down a hallway, and then made it look right. Right. Do you don't remember That's the term, how that scene ends, or how that whole sequence ends? With, like, uh,
0: I do not. How does it
2: end? He gets his fat ass stuck in the floor of the elevator <laughs> and self destructs or something. <laughs> this is Dan O'Bannon himself, isn't he the one in yeah. the elevator
0: shaft? Yeah. It's- I remember the elevator shaft scene. I just don't remember how it played out. So, uh, so basically, all that elevator shaft alien pursuit from Dark Star.
2: Yeah, an alien beach ball. Which, by the way, that was the inspiration for Alien. They just took the jokes out. It's like the guy who wrote Alien. (laughs) Not totally baked. So, in a way, Dark Star is the rich man's alien, because it came first. And if you think about James Cameron's elevator scenes in Aliens, it's really just Dark Star cubed. Kelly Wan, why do you think Dingus has never seen Dark Star? He's just upset at us. It's It's also
1: hard to find, I think. It's not that. It's that you guys have pretty much given me the oral tradition of Dark Star so many times. (laughs) I don't need to see it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Dark Star, I don't think it holds up that well, but what holds up about Dark Star is... I know, Kelly uh, I just Dan O'Bannon <laughs> just did so many great things as a screenwriter that, for me, it's just hugely entertaining to watch that guy. He, yeah. He's not a natural actor or anything, but I get so tickled just watching Dark Star and thinking, wow, that's Dan O'Bannon. You know, bless your heart for all the stuff you're going to do a beach for ball. us.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he we just... could do this as a horror movie, guys, in <laughs> six year, three years, and it'll make tons of money. All right. Beach and,
0: and i got to say, Kelly Wan, Return of the Living Dead, I think, is is a pivotal zombie movie. And that's, oh, that's all sad. Dan O'Fanin.
2: Yeah. It kind of makes me wish Alien in Alien had been a beach ball. But it was just scary somehow. Like they somehow made it like without Geiger. I don't know that you can make a beach ball scary, Kelly Wan.
1: Yeah, that's no. shame, Kelly. You should get yeah. that notes.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so Kelly Wan's number one pick, Dark Star. My number one pick, Drive, which Dingus stole from me. Dingus, mm. you're a filthy thief. Let's go to some uh, listener submissions before we get to our runners-up. Filthy. Paul, uh, Paul Weimer writes, Hi, guys. I'm glad nothing was taken off the table. You're right, Tom. Plenty of ideas came immediately to mind. Paul Weimer's number three. Here's a quote. See you at the party, Richter. Total recall. The elevator in the alien installation. Scene of the epic fight toward the end of the movie between Schwarzenegger and Michael Ironside.
1: What? Uh, Come on, Tom. Um, do, the, do the quote properly. See you at the party, Richter. Yeah, good job. (laughs) See you at the party? So it's
2: just the same as diehards. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Weimer's number two pick, the
0: elevator scene in Spider-Man 2. Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, As Paul writes.
1: Because he's in his suit and he looks over at the guy from...
0: Well, as Paul writes, it's a great bit of discomfort on the part of Tobey Maguire as a temporarily depowered Spider-Man. As he rides down the elevator and has a conversation about his suit with his fellow passenger, Paul calls it a wonderful little moment. What do you think of that, Dingus? I love it. How many
1: more ways are you going to pronounce his name,
0: by the way? Paul Weimer's number one pick. Here's a quote. Speeder Man. Here you go. Your subconscious is looking for the dreamer. Me. Quick. Give me a kiss. Ha ha. What?
1: (laughs) Tom, talk about Inception.
0: Yeah, Tom just made me read an Inception quote. Uh, He writes Joseph Gordon Levitt, in a bit of quick thinking, cleverly uses an elevator in zero G to awaken his companions one level further down in the dream.
1: Uh, Paul, you win for making Tom talk about Inception. I love you, Paul.
0: Paul also wins for punking Kelly Wand with this postscript. He writes. I figured speed was way too obvious a choice here and that one of you would pick it, so I didn't.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, but he, but he didn't know that Kelly was going to choose speed one. Good point. Non-control. Uh,
0: also, our, uh, another returning contributor, Fred Bo says, Nothing pithy to say this week. That's your job. And he gives us these three movies Die Hard. Again, he did not pick the, the, the scene. We already covered that. Thank you, Fred Bo. Uh, North by Northwest. Oh, that's a good one. What's the elevator scene in that dingus? You have to say something pithy. I don't remember it. Uh,
1: well, it's, it's, it's one of these – it's something going to happen with the assassins on the elevator scenes because they're in a crowded elevator. The two guys who are, who are going to uh, kill him are there, and his mom goes oh, – gosh, what, what does she actually say? She says something like, are you gentlemen really trying to kill my son? <laughs>
0: That makes me want to see North by
1: Northwest again. And then everybody starts, in, and then the the assassins kind of giggle, and then everybody on the elevator starts laughing. And what what's the name of his character? Kelly, uh, you know Fred Digby. Uh, turn... It's uh, turn. It's Thornhill, Richard Thorn- oh, it's Thornhill. It's <laughs> very good. Um, and he's just standing there while everybody's laughing because the, the mom has said, "Are you joking? Whatever she says to them about it. But it's oh, it's a good that's a good one. I like that.
0: Uh, And Fredbo's third pick, uh, again, I don't remember this one, although I love this movie. Uh, What's the elevator scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas?
1: Oh, gee, I don't Uh, know.
2: Kelly one that seems like that would be your wheelhouse. Yeah, but I never saw that movie sober.
0: (laughs) Uh. All right, thank you, Fredbo, for those picks. Uh, James Shearer who I believe is new to us, writes, Hey guys, my girlfriend and I brainstormed, so this is a collaborative one Mm -hmm. from James, to come up with this list, and these were basically the first and most memorable elevator scenes we could think of. Kind of an ink block test of elevator scenes in movies, he writes. His number three pick, Being John Malkovich. Uh, James writes, the first scene where John Cusack travels oh, <laughs> travels to the seven-and-a-half floor, a woman in the elevator sees his confusion and helps him out. I liked how the elevator doors were all beat up from everyone prying them open. That's uh. – man, how can I forget that? Very good, James, uh. Uh, and James's girlfriend. Uh, number two, uh, the secret of my success. Michael J. Fox has to keep changing his clothes in the elevator to switch his persona, and a few times – He gets caught with his pants down. The particular scene I'm referring to has him doing a muscle pose when the doors open with his assistant there. He throws her his pants and tells her to launder them before the doors close again.
2: Classic 80s awesomeness. I bet that was the girlfriends. I didn't understand the movie when he did that. Like, why if posing muscly... Oh, he's just doing that in the elevator. Like, that's worse than just changing clothes. Kelly,
0: me James explains it right here. As he says... Classic 80s awesomeness. Oh,
2: it was the decade (laughs) opposing.
0: Oh, man, how did we miss this? I'm hoping you guys had this on your runners-up. I totally spaced on this one. Uh, James and his girlfriend's number one pick, Cabin in the Woods. As he writes, Uh... oh, man, this has some awesome elevator stuff. I suppose this could be a spoiler, so don't listen if you haven't seen it. Good point. Uh, but as he writes, I like when they first go down and see all the creatures that they could have chosen. But instead, I'm choosing the scene where all six elevators arrive with the monsters inside them to come out and slaughter everyone. That okay. arguably a lobby scene, but man, the elevators are hugely important. Uh, James also writes a short way through a second wave. A short way through a second wave of monsters arrive with all the elevators dinging at the same time. The idea of those monsters riding up elevators is absolutely priceless. And James says, uh, I have one runner up. Wait a minute. Elevators aren't involved. Oh, yeah. Okay. So James says, I have one runner up, and that's the famous lobby scene in the first Matrix movie. It's actually the first scene that I thought of, but the elevator really isn't involved hardly at all, only being shown right at the end. Right. We wanted to choose some scenes where the elevator is more of a focus. Yeah. So thank you, uh, James. James also, uh, here you go, Kelly Wand. So you got punked in the last email. Uh, James's little Kelly Wand love here with his postscript, and he writes, "I just saw Silver Linings Playbook, and I don't think Kelly Wand is crazy at all."
2: Hmm. That's see right, that and he song? writes it in that tone. Yep. Yep. How do you feel about that? Gang still, I
0: don't. I think if you don't see many movies in 2012, sure, that might be your number one movie of the year. But if you're like us and you see pretty much all of them, I, I still think you're crazy. If so. she wins the Oscar. We that won't mean say. anything. <laughs> Come on, seriously. So the, the winner of the Best Actress Oscar, that's the number one movie of any given year, Kelly Wand? Yes.
1: <laughs> Trevor Carr writes... <laughs> I also it's... don't uh, see how those two things are mutually exclusive, seeing I'm just... Silver Linings Playbook and Kelly Wand being crazy. Mm. Hear mm. that? Tom, yeah. you going to take that from him? No,
0: I'm going to read Trevor Carr's email. Here oh. we go. Trevor Carr writes... Quote, in semi chronological order and ignoring Die Hard, which is what I assume led to this topic, The Spy Who Loved Me, 1977. Best elevator trap. This elevator features a trap door that dumps the victim into a shark tank. Everything is better with sharks. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: Very good. Wait a minute. That's the one James, what... he figures out just put your feet on the sides that the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty glassy trap. If it's to get yeah. out of, I told her. Most <laughs> <laughs> Uh Also from
0: 1977, uh, Star Wars, and he even Trevor even calls it Star Wars colon A New Hope. Ew. George Lucas. Uh, this wins for Trevor. George Lucas. Lucas. This wins it. from Trevor. The most confusing <laughs> elevator. Uh, Trevor writes, Imperial elevator designs mandate that personnel should never know which side of the elevator will yeah. open. This has led to a remarkable increase in Death Star employees taking the stairs.
2: Yeah. In the book that scene goes on for six pages or something too. like oh yeah, a faulty thing like oh I missed the elevator got away it. so fucking lame. Endless.
0: Uh, here we go. In 1986, Here, thank you, Trevor, he picks aliens as the most xenomorphically friendly elevator. Uh, Trevor writes, a normal alien would crawl through the ventilation duct per sci-fi building code. This must be the easiest and fastest way around a futuristic installation. But this elevator is so simple, a xenomorph queen can use it. Oh, <laughs> act, Kelly Wand. I thought it meant she was smart. That's what I thought, too. Trevor disagrees. Idiot. Uh, alien. Trevor picks uh, again Inception 2010 as the most complex non gravity assisted falling. He writes Joseph Gordon Levitt uses an imaginary elevator to make sleeping people think they're falling. It made sense at the time. And then finally, Trevor coming in with <laughs> a fifth pick. Does kind of Yep. Cabin in the Woods 2011 as the best lobby. Won't spoil it for those uh, who have seen it, but it could have used more sharks, he says. Very good, Trevor. Thank you very much for that. Robert Swander writes, Hi, guys. For the elevator scene 3x3 this week, I decided to go with a bit of a theme. So first I'll list the movies. He picks... Hmm, this is interesting. Skyfall, Nick of Time, and True Lies. He says, in particular, I wanted to avoid the movies that popped up frequently on the best elevator scenes lists online was not aware there were such things, but uh, I wanted to avoid those. He says, so maybe these aren't the most acclaimed films, but I enjoyed all of them, and they immediately came to mind when I was thinking about this three-by-three. As you might have guessed, each of the movies on my list, that's Skyfall, Nick of Time, and True Lies, features at least one key scene that involves glass elevators. And not just that, each of the elevators is within the interior of a building, so not exterior scenes. These all take place within the confines of a larger space. Skyfall has an early scene in Shanghai where James catches the bottom of an elevator in the office building as he follows the assassin. Uh, I like that scene because it also, you know, he has to sweat it a little bit. Uh, Robert writes, Nick of Time features a couple scenes within the hotel's glass elevators, but the scene where Watson, played by Depp, is about to spill the beans on the murder plot, but the elevator doors open and Mr. Smith, played by Christopher Walken, is there to shut him up. Don't remember that. I remember that. Okay. And then, as he said, and then Robert writes, True Lies holds up much better than I thought, and the scene where Arnold rides into an elevator on a police horse is a classic. <laughs> what?
2: In the tail, uh, he shits on the old lady, doesn't it? Or fart. Just Thanks, James Cameron. Uh, let's see, Robert's runner-up
1: picks. Oh. oh, yes, Dingus? I really like the Skyfall one, because it was so. It was such an unexpected like little bit of parkour, um, and it's the music – I don't know if there's no music there or it cuts off, but it's just this great moment where he jumps on and oh. rides it up and then has to struggle with it. I really like that Skyfall one, but but Kelly made me think of another Skyfall one, and that's the car elevator stuff at the end. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, which okay. uh, which I hadn't thought of until Kelly.
2: Wait, isn't that Ghost that's Protocol? That's that Skyfall. Yeah. That's oh, like- that's Ghost Protocol. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, dingus. My, my mistake. <laughs> I made him think of the wrong movie, which makes sense. I did like that car elevator, though. That was a yeah, I mean—we yeah. don't see many of those here.
0: Yeah. That so let's prat- see. Uh, right. uh, Robert, who's uh, actually his name is Bob. Sorry, He's, uh, Bob picks uh, three runners up. Or Blade Runner. Uh, when Roy Batty uses J.F. Sebastian to gain access to Terrell's penthouse suite, uh, charade. What? I haven't seen that. So Oh, yeah, that's not right. No, isn't that Walter Matthau is the villain and the MacGuffin is a stamp? Is that charade? Jesus, what? <laughs> At any rate, he writes Peter Joshua and Herman Scooby together in a cramped elevator. I have no idea what that means. Uh, and then, here we go, another one, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, where James Bond disposes of Peter Frank. Kelly Wan, do you know what that scene is? Uh, no, that's the one I always forget what happens in it because it's Vegas. All right. And then Bob also recommends, just as a quick note for me, he says that if I want a black comedy featuring Sarah Palin, I should watch Iron Sky.
2: Which yeah, is a, Nazi uh, Moon.
0: Yeah. So, all right, I'm down. If, if Sarah Palin has anything to do with that, I'm in. Uh, and uh, so that's from uh, Bob. Uh, Soren Hugland. writes, I have to say, this was an awesome topic. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? I agree with him. All right, so here are his picks. Number three. Whoa. Number three is The Eye, the original version, not the remake with Jessica Alba. I can't say I cared much for the movie as a whole, but there's an elevator ride in it that makes Oh, great yeah, 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 yeah. That there's an elevator ride in it that makes great use of the fear of being stuck in a confined space with someone you don't want to be near. Is that with the ghost in the elevator? Yeah, that was a good Yeah, ghost. I do remember that. Very good, Soren. Nice pick. Uh, number two, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Hmm. Robert Sorin writes, trying my best to avoid spoilers, one of the characters uses the fact that people tend to studiously ignore each other in elevators to surreptitiously hold someone's hand one final time during an elevator ride with a bunch of cops. (laughs) What? I need to see that, I guess. Uh, And his number one pick, he writes, I'd be surprised if I haven't been scooped on this one, but I can't not put it on the list. His number one pick, Soren's, is Drive, the lighting for the Mm. kiss, the segue into Ryan Gosling stomping the hitman's head in. Everything about that scene is great. Uh, Soren's honorable mentions include Cabin in the Woods, since this is more a, quote, near an elevator scene. I didn't feel right putting it on the list, but it still deserves a mention. The slaughter of the security forces set to the rhythmic chimes of the elevators emptying horror upon horror into the underground complex. Uh, And then finally, oh, wait a minute. Oh, check this one out, Kelly Wan. Dingus won't like it. Uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. This is just a single shot, but I adore how the shabby freight elevator at the circus opens to reveal Peter Gwillem looking over Esther House, ready to take him to the airfield. It resembles in one image that Esther House is fucked. Nice. I certainly remember that. It's a, a little
2: classic
1: Cumberbatch. Didn't I love that. I on that movie, though. No, I, I didn't renege. I was very wow. clear about how I felt about it and how I recognize its greatness. I, I like the document elevator, though.
2: Oh, very good. Dingus.
1: Oh, Dingus scooping
0: Soren Hoogland on a movie that Dingus didn't like
1: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look at Dingus' jiu What the hell? Oh, Dingus is
2: a like character. Oh, he totally, he totally smiley us. <laughs> you just did glasses,
0: cunningly Alright, this is from Jeff Sweet He writes, hey there guys, I'll be surprised if at least two of these Haven't been mentioned by the time you get to my picks He apologizes for not having any obscure Russian cinema this week Number three Silence of the Lambs Quote, just ignore him, he's not a PhD He references uh, Jeff references Dr. Lecter's escape Using the face cut off of a dead guard I was probably way too young when I saw this the first time And it's stuck with me ever since Good one, Jeff. And again, here we go. Drive. Uh, his uh, quote from Drive. I don't remember this. Is you blinked. When did someone say that, dingus? Do you remember?
1: I don't know. You blinked. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, uh, Jeff writes the slow motion kiss, followed by the uh, followed abruptly by the brutal killing of the thug. Jeff Sweet calls it beautiful, jarring, and disturbing.
1: Oh, it's when he's talking to. He's playing with the. Oh yeah, yeah, though. yeah.
0: Very good, very good. Yeah. You know that should be a three by three. Ryan Gosling doing cute things with kids.
1: <laughs> uh, and then, uh, Jeff's number, <laughs> Kelly Wand I don't like that uh, Take that all back <laughs> Yeah, how dare you uh, Jeff,
0: uh, Jeff Sweets number one is Cabin in the Woods His quote is, it was the pioneer days People had to make their own interrogation rooms Out of cornmeal <laughs> uh, And That's Jeff good. writes, I'm not going to spoil this For anyone who hasn't seen the film But there was no other choice for my number one spot Thank you Jeff Finally, uh, oh no, no penultimately uh, From Tyler he writes, I'm not sure, uh, he, he writes, I hope it makes it in. Yes, Tyler, you've made it in. Uh, Tyler's number one pick, Drive, Ryan Gosling kisses Carrie Mulligan, then stomps the shit out of a bad guy. I'm sure this one has been mentioned before, but it's too good not to bring up. Absolutely right, Tyler. Tyler's number two pick, uh, here we go, Kelly Wand, Speed. Uh, yeah. Tyler, yeah. Tyler, Tyler writes, not to be the speed guy, but there's a pretty kick ass opening to this movie that involves saving people from an elevator falling. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Tyler's number three pick Blues Brothers. When the brothers take the elevator up to pay the taxes for the church, they seem calm and listen to the music while the film cuts away to the entire Chicago police force taking the stairs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, That's get, a one. Guess what song is playing as they stand in the elevator? Girl from Ipanema? You're right. Nice.
0: Uh, And Tyler claims this was kind of ripped off in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't remember that scene. But good catch, Tyler. Uh, Tyler actually has a number four, Ghostbusters. There are a couple of great lines. The most memorable might be the bite his head off line. But I also really like the following scene. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do this justice because I don't remember it. Ray says, you know, it just occurred to me we haven't really had a successful test of this equipment. Uh. Egon says, I blame myself. Venkman says, so do I. Ray says, well, no sense in worrying about it now. Venkman says, why worry? Each one of us is carrying an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Ray says, yep.
2: Sorry, I couldn't do that justice. Well, no, and then they turn it on, and then they back away from yeah,
1: it. Yeah, what's great is he goes, switch me on, and then they move to the other side of the elevator. <laughs>
0: Uh, and finally, Tyler writes, liar, liar, even though it's a dumb <laughs> scene. The second you mentioned elevator scenes, I thought of the <laughs> I can envision this now. Uh, Tyler writes, I thought of the I want to squeeze them scene, with Jim Perry and, and Krista Allen. Yes,
2: I know. Very good. She punches to you in to the eye. Them. You're still touching her. That's the
1: good thing. OK, <laughs> sorry. What is the point that Tyler didn't do the IMDb synopses again? <laughs> Isn't he the one did that, that last week? I don't no, know. It was, that, but he crazy. discovered...
2: Well, the punch Glove one was maybe the best one ever, so maybe they're not all that good. That's a good
1: point, actually.
0: Uh, and then finally, we have Nick writing, uh, quote, I tried to think of scenes which couldn't take place in any other location. Uh, Nick's number three pick, Hudsucker Proxy. Tim Robbins must ride to the top of the building to deliver a blue letter to Paul Newman. On the ride up, the operator is a boy named Buzz, who does a pitch-perfect 1930s patter as if it were in a Looney Tunes cartoon. I love the way the crowd of passengers all staggers when he hits the express to the top floor. It's a perfectly timed little scene. Uh, Nick explains... So his number two pick is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, so he explains it. Here we go. Uh, Benicio Del Toro pulls a knife on Cameron Diaz in an elevator when a guy from her camera crew doesn't believe he's a real motorbike racer. The scene is surreal and hilarious and couldn't have worked in any other location.
2: Cameron Diaz is
0: in that movie? I would not have remembered that, yeah. See? Charlie's Angels, Kelly Wand, they're they're all over the place. And (laughs) – Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Why didn't Dingus pick this one? Uh, Nick's Nick's number one pick, The Untouchables. He writes, this is the scene where the fourth untouchable, quote, that other guy gets killed. Spoiler alert. I like how a service elevator is used here to carry out an assassination as a room which is briefly isolated and then provides a quick escape route.
1: All right. The other guy is uh, Charles Martin Smith. And and that's one of my runners-up. That's a great one. Um Because not only because of the way the the scene develops and what happens to that guy, but but when they discover it and what's written on the elevator in his blood, I mean, that's a great one.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, you gentlemen, runners up. What do you got for us?
2: Uh, The Departed's good.
0: Oh, Kelly Wand. I <laughs> thought you like that one. <laughs> uh, so there there are um.
2: There's a so- ton of them
0: now. There are a ton of them. So there, there are entire movies actually that play with elevators devil. as the new kind of lifeboat. Yeah. yeah, devil. There's actually a movie called Elevator. Oh, <laughs> wait! I it's see about that. it's Canadian. It's about like ten people trapped in an elevator, and one of them has a bomb, and they know that. Like they know that one of them has the bomb. It's How like long would that a... take to figure out? About ninety minutes.
2: What? <laughs> ten of them. <laughs> That uh, takes 30 so, seconds to solve.
0: Not only does one of them have a bomb, uh, one of them, he's in the elevator with his wife, has been having an affair with another one of the elevator riders, and it turns out she's pregnant with his baby. So that happens. Uh, what else happens? <laughs> what, you- what? Is it a comedy? No, no, good Lord, no. It's definitely, it's a, you know, it's a lifeboat kind of movie. It's like, you know, we're going to put these it's people... The
2: child in the elevator at the beginning?
0: Uh, there's none, it's... it's uh, they're they're riding. Fair. yeah. They're riding the elevator to a company party on the top floor, uh, and it gets locked down. And like the CEO John Getz, who's the guy who got his hand dissolved in the fly. He plays the CEO. Uh, he's the only like famous guy in it, uh, and he's on there with like his his granddaughter. Uh, it's not. It's not horrible, uh, and I kind of like the way it ends. But it's another movie like Devil.
2: Yeah. Is Steven Seagal in it? Like he, what would he be doing in it? There's no Kelly Wan, There's no room to do jujitsu in an t- elevator. Yeah, but he he's also a crime solver, isn't he? When he's not teaching, uh, you know, he's like fig, he's magnifying glass, looking at fingerprints. There's also no
0: Steven Seagal doesn't. You're confusing him with Sherlock Holmes. Oh, uh, there are also some great. Uh, like killer elevator their entire killer elevator movies by the way uh there's a dutch director named dick moss in tell you why that's not funny that's his name how dare What's you his
1: stage name <laughs> john moore
0: <laughs> uh, he did a, he did a movie called the lift uh, which is Dutch, and it's about a killer elevator that was remade many years later in, in an English language movie called *The Shaft* with Naomi Watts. Uh, and it's about this. It's about Dick. It Watts uh...
2: presents *The
0: <laughs> Shaft*. Shut your mouth!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's a whole movie about a haunted skyscraper. Uh, you know, there's like a demon in the skyscraper. Oh. It kills people using the elevator. I have a good. Uh, um... And it also has the scene, which, every, I mean, this this actually happened. And this is in that that great early bit of Resident Evil, where you find the, where the people get trapped in the elevator by the AI. And there's a cool scene where the elevator stops, and they hear the elevator in a nearby shaft being dropped down. And they hear the screaming people shoot past them. Um, but there's the scene where the woman's trying to get out through the doors, and she gets her head out the door, and the elevator goes up and decapitates her.
2: Oh, that's FD2, isn't it? Well, that's
0: actually... I mean, it's been in a few movies. It's it's in both of Dick Moss's movies. Uh, but that's <laughs> that's actually happened. Like there are real life events uh, where, uh, where where people get
2: decapitated by elevators. If my name was Dick, I'd be paranoid about things. <laughs> uh, in two, that, remember that elevator in what? Omen two, Damien Omen two, with the doctor. Does sure, the guy he get beheaded? No, he
0: gets cut in half
2: in an elevator, mm-hmm. isn't he? By a cable. Is it because you know
0: it's half in? Oh, the cable. That's right. I do remember that. that. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And also in The Grudge, there's a really cool elevator part. Remember, it's like the kid is like on every floor looking at her through the thing. That's kind of good. I've actually never seen The Grudge. What? Come on. That's seen cool. the eye. What? You didn't see The Grudge? What do you hate about cats? Oh, wait. <laughs> cats are in The Grudge? Yeah, there's an evil cat. Spoiler alert. I can't believe you didn't see The Grudge. Uh, see there's all four the paranormals. Famous elevator scene in The Shining, I guess. Is it in the movie or just the preview?
0: Oh, is that true, Kelly White? It's not in the actual movie? Well, uh, the blood coming
1: out of the
2: elevator? It's visions, maybe. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's in the movie. I would, maybe it's, it's in
1: not. the movie. Come on. Yeah. All, right. all right. Maybe I'm done.
2: Now, uh, the one where
0: uh, we talked about, like, the little comic relief, like the downtime in an elevator, like Blues Brothers and what they tried to do in the last Die Hard with Girl from Ipanema. Uh, one of my favorite elevator scenes is uh, Big Trouble in Little China, where they're riding down to the final battle. Uh, they've, before they go down, they drink the potion, and it's just it's, it's Jack Burton and his sidekick and all of their, their buddies just crammed into the elevator kind of high on invincibility potion. I love that scene. Do you remember that,
2: Kelly Wan? Uh No, I haven't seen that movie in too long.
0: It's awesome. It's like, uh, you know, it's it's Kurt Russell saying, hey, I feel kind of invincible. I have a really positive feeling about this. <laughs> and, and they're just all like smiling and giving each other the thumbs up. It's just John Carpenter really understanding comic beats
2: back then. Um,
0: sorry, can... Are there runners
2: up?
1: Uh, Let's see. No. Dingus, <laughs> you got anything else for us? Oh Yeah, I got a bunch. Uh, uh, Most of the uh, listeners, uh, the listeners got a lot of them. Um, But, you know, Kelly brought up Margin Call. There's a really cool little elevator scene in Margin Call. Uh, What is it? uh, Uh, So Simon Baker and Demi Moore get on this elevator. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: a good one. And there's a cleaning lady standing between them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's saying, you know, what? what's our plan with John? What are we going to do? And, and Simon Baker looks at the cleaning lady and then they talk in these kind of veiled terms about what's going to happen. I don't think uh, anything else is going to happen. and Something else is going to happen. They get to the floor, she leaves and it's pretty much like, you're not going to fuck me. Are you? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, that's right.
2: No, she goes, if you go down, we're both going down. You know that, don't you? And he's all, I don't know that actually. <laughs> yeah, the doors
1: <laughs> So I like that. Um, I, there's also a, sh- a small one in, and I thought of this because of the Die Hard movie we saw today uh, there's, a, there's a, sh- a little short little scene in The Lives of Others um, where the main guy is in an elevator and this kid, his ball goes into the elevator and the kid runs in and he has this little conversation with this kid in this weird little box of an elevator where uh, the kid says are you really Stasi? and he says yeah why? and the kid goes because my dad says Stasi is a bunch of jerks <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, what's his name? And the kid goes, whose name? And he kind of looks at the kid and goes, your ball. What's your ball's name? (laughs) That's awesome, Dingus. Uh, um, So so the others are uh, Bottle Rocket. I love the the elevator in the heist scene where Dignan puts an apple jack on the elevator, and then he runs up the stairs. (laughs) Awesome! I... I don't know man I lose my touch man Did you ever Have a touch to lose
0: man <laughs> Oh god That makes me want to watch Bottle rocket right now That's
1: awesome <laughs> I, just, I had forgotten <laughs> He runs up the stairs To meet the elevator
2: Don't
1: <laughs> <No. No>. Don't <laughs> Yeah <I think> <laughs> um, And then Okay uh, So uh, Real genius Has a cool Do you guys remember Real genius I don't think so. László well, had a secret elevator. Yeah, that's the elevator. So there's an elevator in the kid's closet, and he goes down it. It's this weird little, like, uh, bumper car thing that he rides down into the secret uh, passage underneath. And then this—I'm not crazy about this, but I—I—I lo- I, I, I was looking it up um, this week, and what's cool about it is—is is you can see a, how they filmed it sequence, and it's—it's it's Romeo plus Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann Romeo, and and there's a scene where um where Romeo and Juliet are kissing in an elevator and it's a really tight space and they had trouble filming it and it, and it's really cool to watch how they actually shot it shot it because it's all these panels, and they do this rotating camera where they lift the panels in sequence as the camera rotates and put the mm-hmm. panels down as the camera rotates around. It's really loud and mechanical, and you realize as they're doing these lines from Shakespeare in this really intimate scene how difficult a time it is for Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, uh, yeah. doing, doing these lines in this scene. I really I really like watching the way that, that develops.
0: If only CG had been invented yet.
1: Exactly, yeah. Wait,
0: what? So That'd they could
1: be, have just put, done put it of the green screen. Scenes, there's elevator scenes in in Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums, too. So, there you go. What's the Royal Tenenbaums elevator scene, dingus? They have a little tiny elevator in their house, and I think that, uh, don't they have a little elevator in the house? In the, in the ten of mom's house?
0: That sounds about right. They, ha- they have a game closet. But they yeah. have Alina in it. You know,
1: maybe I'm just thinking of the game closet. Never mind.
0: Uh, alright, so that's, uh, there's, uh, there's our elevator topic. Uh, <laughs> Dingus, what do you have to top that?
1: Oh, I've, I've, I've got the next topic. That's right. Alright, so, um, in the awful movie we watched this week. A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh. Um, a previously recorded song is used in a scene. Uh, actually, an amalgam of a couple different songs, and they're Frank Sinatra songs, and there's really no reason for it to be used other than to bring the movie to a grinding halt at the very beginning of the movie. And then after the the cabbie sings a couple of Frank Sinatra songs, for some reason, the soundtrack just spools out the song for us for a couple of seconds. <laughs> oh, God, I've forgotten about that. Uh, so it's I think it's New York, New York. That, that the song oh. great for a movie shot in Moscow perfect right yeah good, good job guys so this is this is your favorite uses of a previously recorded song in a movie scene now here here's here's the deal uh, the, the song can't have been written for the movie so like the the Oscars are coming up and if if a, if a song is gonna win best song it has to be actually written for the movie um, so uh so what's the famous one? I just called to say I love you that Stevie Wonder won for for Lady in Red. Um, there was a great deal of controversy because he had written that years before or had been working on it years before, and it wasn't actually written for the movie, so he almost lost the Academy Award for that. Um, I'm talking about um, not not a, a song that's that's written for the movie, but a previously written song can be a cover of that song as well, but used in a scene in the movie. Now, the characters can be aware of it, but I prefer it not to be that. It, it should also be sort of on the soundtrack in a larger sense, and not just over the end credits. So we're talking about, like, here, yeah, never mind. You're just talking about, there's plenty of, of, uh, of examples, but your your favorite use of a previously recorded song that's used in a movie scene.
0: Is Kelly Wand allowed to ask any questions about this topic?
1: He can, but the answer is going to be yes, no matter what he <laughs> asks. And, uh, except it can't be a song about an escalator.
2: <laughs> was raindrops keep falling on my head written for butch cassidy
1: uh, i believe it was ew really <laughs> ouch <laughs> see i told you the answer would be yes
0: all right. If you want to participate, send us your choice for uh, what. So, Dingus, uh, give me a the little one, the elevator pitch, as it were. Assuming is going Get really it? fast, what's the elevator pitch for this one? Just previously
1: written songs. Favorite use of a previously re- previously recorded song in a in a movie scene.
0: All right, send that. Send your your uh, submission. We want to hear them to three by three at quarter to three com. That's three x three at. And you spell out quarter to three dot com. Uh, We would love to read them on the air. We will be back with that next week, as well as uh, we will be seeing. Now, I really wanted to see it. I know I really wanted to see side effects. The Steven Soderbergh movie Dingus insisted that we see dark skies. Dingus loves him some horror movies. So next week we have to see dark skies. Hmm. Maybe
2: Maybe it's a science fiction movie and it's not horror. It's just about science. Well, it's
0: got to be. I mean, it's got to have some. It can't just be like a stupid ghost or something. Because so it wouldn't be called dark skies if it wasn't something that came out of the sky, right? The, the bright
2: way. skies. Even though the close encounters aliens come at night and the sky's dark, they're uh, they're like
0: Dingus's objection to seeing it was it it, made it to him it sounded like dark shadows.
2: Uh. <laughs> wait, all shadows are dark.
0: It's kind of true. <laughs> Uh, so, join us for that next week. We'll have our 3x3 three three of uh, previously written songs and movies, and we will be seeing Dark Skies. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian
2: Molansky.
1: It's Christian Moroski
2: And Kelly Wand. A good day to darken skies. Remember? Me, me, me. Me, me, me. La, la. <laughs> Is that Beaker? <laughs> Is that from Empire yeah, of the, the Stinks? <laughs> <laughs> That's, be- it's, yes. it's totally be- be- is be- it
0: really? I was Dingus, just joking. Yeah. No, it's the Muppets' Ode to Joy, yeah. Wait, what's that got to do with Die Hard? Oh, come on. Oh. Kelly Wand. So, Kelly Wand, when Dingus and I went to see uh, uh, a Day <laughs> to Die Hard, we were standing in line to get tickets, and some guy walks out of the theater and is going down the line of people waiting to get their tickets, and he says really loudly, Oh, looks like country's come to town. What? What? I Wait, this is very actually. Uh, sort of. Uh, talking about everyone in line. I thought so we weren't sure what he was doing.
1: He was kind of like we were called like country club garb though. I mean, he like had a polo shirt on and khaki. He did. Yeah. Jesus. And the woman in front of us goes, "A dick." <laughs> Wait a actually, minute. Thing is she
0: called him. She actually she called him an asshole.
1: Oh, all right. I what? Yeah.
2: These sound like diehard <laughs> extras talking. <laughs> Uh, That's how that ends Mm, I've never seen anything like that before And with any luck, I'll never see anything like it again (laughs) Play it again Oh, right Uh, Well, Dingus, I guess that's
1: that What do you say? Need a hug? Hmm. We're not a (laughs) hugging family